Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 76. So this is an exciting one for us. Uh, we've got the, the owner of FNF, which is, if you live in New England, um, you know, probably the park to... I think it's a notorious park, at the very least. Maybe not for everybody, but they've always got cool events going on and um, doing all sorts of cool stuff, and the trails are awesome. I've only been there a few times, and I wish I had gone more over the past five years. I also didn't introduce Cody, Luke, or Richie, which is. I was going to call you out here. on it. Don't yeah, worry. No, I saw you. Uh, so you also said the guest yet? Yeah, I know. I haven't even mentioned Bob yet. We got Bob Swinsky on. If you couldn't guess, like I said, Field and Forest owner, yeah. operator. Um, and I know you've got a bunch of stories to tell, probably about that park, because I imagine you're always there. You definitely love the sport because you've you you own a park, and I don't know if I've ever seen you at the park. I don't know what kind of rigs you have, so I guess do we want to start with the tried and true? How'd you get into wheeling? What got you hooked? <sighs> My parents. I uh, grew up as a you know in elementary school going off roading with my dad first in the CJ fives, and then. Plymouth Trail Dusters, um, not Rams, like Plymouth Trail Dusters, and um, then when my mom and dad got divorced, the first thing my mom did is go out and buy an early Bronco so she'd keep off-roading with with us kids, Um, so I got hooked at an early age, I'm like, please take me (laughs) off-roading, yeah, I don't even need a seatbelt, I'll hang on, I'm good to go, just let's go, um, so I got I got hooked hard and heavy, and first thing I did when I got out of trade school is buy an early Bronco from my uncle, and um, oh my god, I've gone through so many early Broncos back when they were cheap, hmm. you know, five hundred dollar parts Bronco to keep the fifteen hundred dollar toilet running. <laughs> were were so, there you know, real? Were there that many Broncos around back in whenever whenever this was? For me, yes. So um, I graduated uh, trade school in 86, one-year trade school. I'm, I'm a 1985 graduate from high school. Um, so, yeah, back in my hometown of Westerly, Rhode Island, um, there were a lot. Like, and they were cheap, and there were, there were rusted-out toilets in the field. <laughs> so a, a good one that was built would be like five, $6,000 back then. And that was that was, you know... I had to take out a loan to come up with that kind of money. Um, so it was always the thousand to fifteen hundred dollar trucks for me. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's hard to imagine now with what they go for now that no, they were that ridiculous. That's why I hate them. I don't know. If you, I, I know you've listened to a few of them, but if you've listened to enough of them, you know that I really don't like early Broncos uh, just because of how obnoxiously expensive they are for what they are. And yeah. We've I just... feel like one day the Cherokees are going to be that, though. Honestly, Cherokees are already on their way there. A yeah. friend of mine just bought one, and to find one that didn't have like massive problems was three k. What? That's yeah. going, and and it's because people are willing to spend the money for. It's not even that the Cherokee is worth it. It's just one person comes along and he's got a pocket full of cash and he's not afraid to pay too much money for it. And then the next person has to. And then yeah. before yeah. you know, people won't even think about getting off them without, you know, asking all the money for them. 
Yeah, Cherokees now have trail tax, just like certain BMWs and certain other cars get drift Nissans. taxes. Yeah, Yep. Nissans with their drift taxes. I mean, I don't think we're there yet because in New England, you are not. I was gonna say because like your old like E36 BMW, as we talked about with Chris, I think it was he spoke on it, or even the Nissans. Those those are kind of out there. Where I'd say Cherokees just have like a like a spice of trail tax. I wouldn't say they're there yet. But I mean, out in California, a two thousand dollar rig here is like eight thousand dollars out there. It's pretty crazy. So hopefully they don't go skyrocketing. Or maybe if I sell my ship box, then they do go skyrocketing. But Yours will I don't not know. be worth anything. Wow. I can tell you right now that Cody's Rude. rig would get 5k down here all day. Really? The way it sits? Yeah. Fuck you, Graham. All right. Okay. How do you feel now? We'll move to Tennessee and get out of here then. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but hey, sam samurais are suddenly collectible and they yeah. all the money for them. A bone stock one, eight, ten grand, twelve grand. Like, are you serious? For I, I yeah. like a golf cart. Yeah. A couple hundred bucks online. Mm hmm Is that eight grand for all eight of them in the guy's yard, or? <laughs> I mean, they're no, it's collectible. more. It's because everybody has... You have a... You can't just have one samurai. They have at least two. Usually more. It's just... It's hilarious. You gotta have parts, bro. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and they're easy to store. You could fit, like, four of them in the footprint of a Cherokee. You just turn them sideways and put them in a shipping container. Right. So, you mentioned that you had Broncos. Do you currently have a rig, or...? Do in fact. Um... I bought the Katrini's Samurai last fall. So it came here, it ran Humble Pie, qualified for Humble Pie. They declined to run it in a bounty run. They left it here. And um, we talked about a deal before he even left. He pulled all the stuff out of it and left it. He was going to leave it here for me to use anyways. Michael's a really good friend. Taylor's a really good friend. Um, So I was going to hang on to it for the rest of the season and just use it around the property anyways. And he made me a deal I couldn't pass up. Like, that thing is so built for what it is. Um, it's run it's run Humble Pie three full times, qualified three full times, run a bounty run once. Um, Wow. like, it's rolled off of the Sucker Punch drop twice badly. <laughs> Oh, God. um, Yeah, 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 we'll buy it. I'm I'm just Uh... <laughs> it's well built, yeah. I have no plans to change one thing on that. Maybe the headlights, because it's got these dinky little um square LEDs up front. I'm thinking about putting some round ones in just because they'll look cool. So with I don't I haven't seen pictures of it or I've never seen it before. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Like is it four link, three link? Like give us the whole little rundown for it. Three link front and back, um built. Uh, Toyota axles um, with all the goodies, both in the front and back, disc brake conversion and back, 529s, um, Grizzly lockers, uh, three-link suspension that he designed and um, ran on his uh, calculator, and they work killer. Um, air shocks, pretty simple, straightforward stuff, 37-inch reds, um, doubler with six-and-a-half-to-one gears and the uh, Sammy case, so it's got a crawl of two twenty two to one, something like that. Wow. Um It's like a Eddie's ratio almost. Yeah, it sounds just about Or similar. that's a little deeper than Eddie's ratio, I should say.
That's uh, cool. I I definitely so with the thirty sevens. That's that's low, right? I pushed uh it pushed thirty nine and a half inch irox all winter in the snow, and so I just shut the doubler off, and um, you know, run it on just the rear case, the six and a half to one case, and like basically everything is you take off in third, yeah, and you know, <laughs> keep it along. Tires just turn, and if it if it hesitates, you stop. You push the clutch in. You hit the rev limiter three or four times. You sidestep the clutch, and up you go because it's so light. And, um, yeah. that's that's how you drive a samurai as yeah, low as possible at, at the rev limiter, and, and be very intimate with the as fast as necessary for it. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten up so many obstacles because mid obstacle when it stopped going forward, I just throw the clutch in, let it rev again, pop the clutch, and the rig is so light that it'll it'll hop and like do something. You know, it's not like a yeah, you're 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 breaking the. You don't have to have traction because you're jumping over the spot that you're not getting traction. So after my years and years of Cherokees, I got my first samurai, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever!" The harder you beat it, the better it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and with sixty horsepower, with sixty horsepower and no lockers, they're basically unbreakable. You you basically can't break an axle with it unlocked. They have a GVW of twenty nine hundred. Oh my god. Put two of them on a normal car hauler almost. My rough calculation is that it's rated for like 900 pounds of, of weight. So sitting there empty, it's probably like 2,000 pounds. Damn. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Now, we get we get asked pretty often, we think that they should bump up to tons. Have you ever considered it for your rig or just no way? It's there were a few people with Samurais who have upgraded to tons. Most of them regret it. Uh, Mikey Gawley, for one, he's like, ah, kind of wish I was just still on tunes. I mean, uh, still on Toyotas. Um, up to 37-inch tires and um, modestly smart driving, as long as the Toyotas are built. So even if you put tons in, you, you can't run stock 30-spline outers. You got to go to 35-spline, so that means you're promoing it. Why bother doing that to the outers if you're not going to do it to the inners? Might as well put a super joint in there. So, like, the snowball just keeps on going, and now it's like, all right, now they're so big, even with a shave kit, I got to run 39s, mm. so, or, or 42s, like, at that point, why not run 42s, because, hey, more clearance and more tire. Still got the 60 horsepower to not break them with. <laughs> you, yeah, well, you can break tons even with 60 horse, I've, and I only know that because I see it weekend in and weekend out, um, mm-hmm. but, we have some big undercuts here. I mean, big holes in front of rocks. So, I mean, with 222 to 1. You can break oh, anything yeah. if you try hard enough with that. Yeah. Even even not even trying, you just sort of like... You wedge allow- in the wrong spot. Somebody doesn't tell you that your tire is trapped. And all of a sudden, it's just... Bo- before you can even react to the bind. Bing! Um... And that's why I'm so surprised that Graham has actually ran field in forest. <laughs> well, yeah, he loves those undercuts. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to jam my axle or my wheel into a bad spot and just blow everything up in an act. <laughs> that happened to my 30, happened to the 50 multiple times. Yeah, and I imagine it'll happen to the new axle. What are you building now? Uh, just an 05, you know, just cookie cutter. Just- yeah, just an 05, 1550 shafts, um, going to coilovers in the front, 
Uh, staying with Hydro Assist, but I've got the drag link and track bar at equal lengths, roughly. Nice. I don't have it underneath there yet, but I'm hoping it rides really nice. I'm trying to keep it moderately streetable for what it is. It's not by any stretch the imagination road legal, but you know it, it kind of looks like a Cherokee, and I haven't had issues in the past four years of driving it with 37s on tons. So, or the 50 and the 10.5, which is basically the same thing. So, mm-hmm. we're getting there. I can appreciate still driving on a road. That's I I can say I miss it. I'm glad that we're getting back into it. Liza's got a um, an LJ on 35s. Nothing, you know, no lockers or anything. But it's nice to be able to leave property and go for a cruise, mm-hmm. hit the class sixes, go for a grand adventure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like dual sporting, and I'm heavy into dual sporting right now. Like <laughs> I said, Liza's LJ. She's correct. <laughs> What do you have for a dual sport? Um, I have a KTM 950 Super Enduro and a TE4. I never ride because a 950 just like stole my heart. Yeah, I was thinking about picking up an FE 505, the Husky, uh, a while back, but I couldn't stomach that like 11,000 price range or I think it was 10,000 at the time. But still, they're sick, but I don't know. I paid mine. So my bike, my KTM is an 09. Mm-hmm. I went to Jefferson City, Missouri to buy it, sight unseen, um, like in 2018 for 8500 Oh my they, God. They made 3000 worldwide across three years. Holy crap. That's an incredible deal, honestly. Wow. I, oh, I didn't even hesitate. I'm like, please don't sell it to anybody else. I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Now- that's the one thing I miss. Uh, I kind of substituted my my dirt biking with Jeeps, and I, I miss it sometimes. I mean, granted, I've definitely gained some weight. I'm not as nimble. I'm more of like a water buffalo rather than like a, like I'd say, I don't know, like I was more of a gorilla then, and now I'm a water buffalo, so I think the dirt biking would hurt me now, but I do miss it a lot. Well, you'd bounce a little more. You'd be fine. I don't think so, man. <laughs> it's pretty cool to be the fat guy in front and have everybody huffing and puffing trying to catch up to you. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how i that's how i was most of my like younger years uh like uh my dad was into dirt biking too where a lot of my friends it was like their parents weren't into it so me and my dad would go out all the time so I, i'd get a lot more riding and seat time than other friends so i'd be just going and going and going and finally like my buddies would be in the back like can we stop for a second i'm like what do you mean stop it like, i don't even got arm pump yet let's keep it going <laughs> good times for sure yep um the, the the riding that I do is basically overlanding with two wheels. That's awesome. Or, or, that is or, sweet. Or a day of jeeping with a club on two wheels. The same, same sort of deal. Like we're on and off roads and onto class sixes and you know all day long. I leave right from the property. We have a class six that runs through our property, so I take really way out to the class six and I ride two and a half miles of dirt before I even hit the first pavement right from the the backfield. Gotta love it. Awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like there there are perks. It's not all Skittles and beer here, but there there are, there are perks. There are worse ways to make a living. Yeah, that's for Amen sure. to that. So speaking on that, what what kind of made you what made you buy the property? I mean, did you go into it with the idea of the uh activities or was it what'd you have in mind? Give us that. 
long, want the uh, long version or short version? Give us whatever you Just got. The long one. So whatever long version is I have been a member of New England and NEA um, clubs since '01. So I joined John Fun in '01 when I bought my first Cherokee. None of my friends were into off-roading anymore, and I got rid of my quad and got back into off-roading. I bought a Cherokee and like got sucked right in. I'm like, this is cool. Like this thing is, this thing's cool. It's a two-door Cherokee. Um, and this is back when like Rubicon Express was just starting. Um, Tomkin Machine was one of the top Jeep parts supplier companies. Like dark days, like first version of Naxja, where it was long form, <laughs> long form, um, more like Reddit is now. Yeah. And uh, so I was a member of John Fun, and I totally got I got sucked right in. I'm like, this is the best money you anybody can possibly spend on their rig is joining a club. Because, mm-hmm. look, I'm now I'm around all these other people that want to do the same thing as me. Mm. This is great. So in 2002, I joined a board there. 2003, um, before I left the board there, um, Paul Regish, who was helping form the NEA, came and gave us the board of John Fund, the sales pitch. Like, hey, you guys should join with us, and here's what it'll cost. And we're trying to pull all our resources and blah, blah, blah. So I'm, we were all for it. Um, fast forward to 2006, um, the NEA had, had found out about Field and Forest and started doing things. My wife, Liza, and I's first time there in, in 06, um, we went there with our club, started seeing some of the trails they had just started doing. And we're like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I can camp, I can off-road. We don't have to leave property, but we can if we want, because there's off-roading around. And, um, yeah, where do I sign up to help you build the trails? And, like, how can I help? And I made friends with Gretchen, always told her she could adopt me and I'll live in a house out front. <laughs> we just, we, you know, we started going all the time. Um, what was it, 2011, she asked us? Yeah, so, like, 2010, she offered the NEA a chance to lease the property. 10 years. Wow. I, think, I feel like the number was like $10,000 a year or something like that. That's not bad. It wasn't really bad. And we actually tried to push the NEA to go that way. But one of the NEA's problems is too many chiefs, not enough Indians because every club gets two delegates. And mm-hmm. so it can bog it down while well, mm-hmm. they bogged down. And she, she got, she got frustrated She's like, you're taking too long. I really want to do this. And in the meantime, a few people caught wind of her trying to lease it. Well, they heard through their clubs. Well, they went to her directly and offered to buy the place from her, thinking that she was going to sell it wicked cheap. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, she didn't because mostly she didn't want it. She was afraid of what was going to happen to the property. She made this relationship with the NEA, and she liked the way the NEA was using the property and treating her and treating the place. Um so she's like, were you guys serious when you said you were, you really liked the place and were interested in it? I'm like, huh? Really? You're <laughs> offering to sell it to us? Owner financed? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, do, do we, do we do this? Oh my God. Simmer down, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Over the winter. And then the spring we were like, you know what? 
we can do it. If at worst, it'll be our retirement place and we'll get rid of the place that's down in Massachusetts and we'll just make a life change, a life shift. Little. So we went for it, but we were, we had already, we were already so immersed in the off-road community that, I mean, I met my wife in the off-road community. She was a customer of mine at Ocean State Off-Road. Um, we ran Bay State Off-Road together for four years. Okay. So we were already all in. Yeah. Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eliza just said she was on the NEA board then. So, um, wow. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs> you bought an off-road park. No, they bought a campground. <laughs> <laughs> bought a campground. So we bought a campground. This place was run down. Like, I mean, still is run down, but I've been. It's it was held together with baling wire and duct tape, a lot of it. And the more baling wire and duct tape you use, the more complex that rot, wrapping procedure becomes. It's yeah. the complex wrap at times. Boom. Yeah. Here we are. The our one claim to fame, I think, is the severity of the trails. And I can't Definitely. even take credit for that. I mean, a lot of that was there was a there was this golden time. And, and it was also a dark time because so they would have these big trail cuts, NEA wide trail cuts and people could come in in groups and basically go off and do almost whatever they wanted. So that's when, if you're ever running through the property, you see these weird little shoots that don't really go anywhere. Um, that was then. Um, but then Scott Dollard started coming all the time. I think he was, he was a volunteer in the NEA and um, he was big in his, club deep woods extreme and they would come and actually have a vision like he would have a vision for for trails so his vision was elm street and his vision was easy street and like those are complete beginning to end nightmare trails and his his sucker punch that's all him that was his idea (laughs) that's Um, awesome right um Um, so a few were mine i mean i i did uh dick in the dirt i did uh I did Nelson's Crawl. I did Summit Street, um, Buzzkill, um, you know, a few of them. But the place was pretty well established when we all we did is is add and improve and tie things together, um, try and make it a little more uh, defined, organized. You know, um, had sort of a mission. Mm-hmm. So was Scott. I think I met him one day at Mob Bell. I might have the wrong guy because there's a lot of Scots out there, but a uh, blue CJ on like 35s with a four link in the rear and yellow rims. And he said he was involved with the cutting of some of that stuff and had plenty of pictures of that rig on its side. There. No, different Scott. Um, Scott Dollard, um, when he was involved here, he always had a buggy. He had a. Uh, he had Demers, Mike Demers, old Mike Demers buggy that he has now. That knows that used to be Scott Dollard's, and when Scott Dollard had it, had a toy built Toyota axles, a Chevy four three. Um. So yeah, that's why he was cutting buggy trails because he was he was in buggy mode by the time he got exposed to this place, and um. So when they had a chance to to, basically design and cut whatever trails that they wanted, he was all over it. He was plenty of opportunity for just 
crazy lines. The rocks there are insane. I, I don't think I've ever seen like that much uh, just variation of rock configurations, I guess is the best way to put it. Like there's some properties they've got clusters, right? But there's nothing special. I feel like your spot, it just has everything. You can do the, the drop over. I don't know all the trail names. I haven't gone enough. Um, I only started getting hooked. Um, was it might've been a year and a half ago. Cause before then we, as a, as a club, we never really had all the different requirements. So it was hard to get a group to go there. But, um, a few of us have started just, you know, uh, in talking with Chris Ayashua and, and all those guys, it's, they've, they've started dragging us down and it's been yeah, awesome. Timmy Clark has been a, uh, club to batter our club into going. Mm -hmm. Those are good dudes. Yeah, Those are they real are. Yeah. Liza now, went last year to join that club, and so a lot of times, as a property owner, you get a automatic, you get a buy. And she was like, "I don't, I don't want a spot. I don't want to be a member as um, a property owner. I want to be a real member. I want to pay my dues. I want to fill it, fill, fill all the requirements. Like if it's this many." meetings and this many trail runs i've got to go to i want to do that um i just want to be part of a club that is active and those guys are oh my god they so they active. go out a lot they put yeah. every other club to shame in the nea i think they uh, do they do when it comes to enthusiasm and um uh club members that are not afraid to just like get out there and do stuff yep. yeah they I would venture a guess that they are probably one of the most premier clubs out there. Um, not trying to blow smoke up their ass, but I think that it's very well ran and that they are a group of people that are extremely committed to everything they do. It's fucking awesome to watch. I agree with everything you just said. Um, they're, they're a quality club. They, uh, Nothing but smiling faces. I don't have a bad thing to say about anybody in that club at all. Really don't. They're they're so generous. They volunteer all the time. They um, make things happen for sure in a positive way. They really do. And I like um, one of the things that struck me when I was talking with Mike about them is the commitment that they have to making sure that your rig is up to the club standards. And, yeah. you know, it was just the rules that they have for it are so well put together and they alleviate the possibility of them really like having a ton of issues out there. And I agree. I think I think we've done a good job of a commandeering that same idea though. Lately we've been really any like we've been trying to get newer people, but in the past few years every new person we've got has either not really been into it, not super committed, or just doesn't know a lot. But if we can we've transitioned our club rules, if you will, to now accommodate for that in the sense of like bring a fucking spare tire, bring like you know, stuff like that where we'd be like, eh, it's whatever, somebody's got a thirty five for you, somebody's got a like a thirty seven where it's come into problems and now we've gotten to a point that it's like oh 
blew a bead. Oh, nobody has starting fluid. All right, let's just go back, grab it, and put it back on and keep on wheeling instead of sitting there waiting for it to fill up and do all that kind of crap. So yeah, I mean, it, I, I was gonna say, um, you know, a similar vein as to that was, um, I know there's, I don't think it's incredibly rigorous to get into rockaholics, but I know they have certain you know, filters to sort of filter out people who aren't serious about, uh, being committed to the club. And I think it can be, it can be a fine balance. Um, I mean, how many, they've got like 60 plus members at this point. I think I remember them saying yeah. over, over last summer, it's a, it's a crazy amount, maybe even more, but you know, sometimes it is about quality over, uh, quantity and it can be hard to build the quality members, but they've got, I think every member in that club is quality from everybody oh, yeah. I've met has been awesome. They've got an awesome rig. They're an awesome character. It's uh, you know, just good people all around. And Another we're getting part there. I yep. have to say that I enjoy about them is they're not one to like look down. If that makes sense. Um, you know, there were a couple of times where we would split runs with them to like say Brookridge or battlegrounds and, even though you're not rocking up on stickies, they would be happy to spot you into a black or a red obstacle and help you get through it. I remember the Mike Craig, he was in the process of blowing both his front stubs on Charlotte because he was allowing him. He was like, I want to go do the hard stuff. And we were, the people around him were spotting him right into bad decisions, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the worst about that and i will fight him over that how come you guys can't get mike and uh megan on oh fucking you tell mike? me we you... so we i think point we've all reached out to so i think mike is thinks he's socially awkward even though he's fucking not I think he's nervous he's going to come on and just not be able to quote-unquote perform, even though he'll have plenty to talk about, and when you get him going, he never shuts up. So it's like, why the fuck not, dude? Like, <laughs> on all counts. Yep. They would be so fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You bully him about removing the manual from that Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I see him, it's going to be... Un it no mercy. It's, it's going to be <laughs> I'll cry a little bit. Be like okay. your problem. Yep. Um, um, oh, oh sorry. Ahead. No, you're good. You're good. So now that we kind of talked about the property, one thing that I wanted to bring up that's been really interesting for me to see is the transition um, that it's caused in New England's wheeling. There's kind of a subgenre, if you will, that we've been talking about a bit of the FNF buggy. And normally it's something along the lines of either tons or Toyota axles, four cylinder, skinny. Um, I think that a fair assessment would be generally reds because that seems to be the predominant tire there. Um, and just like a hundred and ten to a hundred and fourteen inch wheelbase with hydro pretty spot on um and i noticed that that whole see so yeah 
before I started doing humble pie, it was already going that way. Like that was that was the best way to come and enjoy all the property. Like if you wanted to do a couple or more red trails in a weekend, like you had to be pretty stout. You had to be on some sort of sticky tire, preferably red labels, um, and able to hang for the weekend. You really needed hydro steering. Although my samurai still has a steering box and um and uh, assist. It, it gets it done, but it's stout too. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then I decided I got tired of guys with JKs rolling in and saying, what do you mean your reds are that bad? I just came from Rouch Creek and I ran all the red trails oh. there in a weekend. And oh. I was like, the light off. I'm like, ding! Um, <laughs> quick thing. I quick never heard a person say that I ran all your red trails this weekend and I'm bored now. What's next? Yeah. So I was like, well, I got to come up with a reason to force these people to do all the red trails in a weekend. So that was, it was, it was originally supposed to be a poker run. And then I threw him a curveball, and I kept, I kept Nelson's crawl, devil's bunghole and devil's taint as set aside as the bounty run. I'm like, all right, do all these first five back then it was five. There were five trails like, here. Do these five, and it'll qualify you for a chance to run a bounty run. And then that's just going to be simple, fast time, winner takes all, and the pot's $1,200. Here you go. Wow. And, it, and by poker run, do you mean a traditional poker run where, like, every time you finish a trail, you get a card, and then you have to try to make a hand at the end, and then the winner gets the pot? It was basically going to be that. That's awesome. It was going to be a reason to force them to run the red trails and then some sort of way to make somebody a winner you know hand somebody yep. a big right um and, but then i was like well wait a minute i've got the original bounty run scott dollard who caught half the three quarters of the red trails here was the first guy to actually run a bounty run this is back when um uh what was the, the name of neo so when they first showed us pictures of the taint everybody's like oh we need a bounty on this it's got to be it's got to be from the bottom to the top. Um, this is before Nelson's crawl. So it was devil's bunghole and devil's taint, no winch, no spotter. Um, and here's a pot of money. They collected like two or $300 on Neo and he did it. Somebody got him on video. He's the first guy to do it. So like, <laughs> it's literally all the bounty run. Why don't we just like make that like the star of the show after they qualify the qualifying is, I tell everybody during the driver's meeting, like, you can all qualify. There's enough time. I'm giving you 24 hours to run six trails. Like, you could sleep for the first 12 hours and go out at midnight and run the trails, and there won't be anybody in your way. So, trust me, you can do that. It's how you're going to Do you have anything left for the bounty run? Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, cool. That's actually really cool. I was just saying, I love the whole format and the idea of humble pie yeah. yeah yeah it's appreciate it's, i never imagined that it would turn into what it's turned into it's a pretty sought after event for sure i am blown away that there, there there's guys building rigs just for it mm -hmm. ricky built lemon drop just for humble pie and he's not the only one to well, to walk away from humble pie saying wow i got my tail between my legs 
It's time to build something new, which is also also funny because the first two years when Eugene won in Blueberry, that was the definition of feeding people humble pie. To get beat by that turd. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I mean, um, he'll be the first one to tell you. Blueberry is a poor beat to crap POS. Low dollar, low budget, low tech. And but Eugene can drive and it's just basic and stout enough to to hang tough and and, and do what it's gotta do. That's um, another guy we gotta talk to. You know, I would love to to see him on. Honestly, so you know what would be a good show would be he and I together. He's like my best buddy, and I think I might loosen him up. I don't know if you could talk him into coming on the show. Without, then again, maybe not. He gave me a hard time today because he's going to work on his new buggy. Mm -hmm. he, like he's got to divert like an hour out of his way to come here, and I'm like, dude, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, super <laughs> radio personality now. Okay, <laughs> uh, some people Bro. don't understand. It's just not their thing, and it, it's I don't know. It's, it is it's, what it's it fun. is. It. I didn't think it would be fun. We've said we talked about this before. We sort of started it as just you know, something to do. And you know, it was kind of originally like a tech dump. Um, all the various stuff that like, cause I had been building Jeeps for at that point, like nine years at, on and off and driving them and stuff. And Graham similar, Richie had been not, helping not the me same along length, the way. But, uh, I don't know. I'm particular and I do. And that's my favorite part of the whole deal. So, and then, um, you know, well, why don't we sit down and talk about it? And here we are now at episode 76 talking to the owner of F and F. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. It was when you had Chris, uh, Welsh on Sam McIntyre sent me a message with a link to the pod. He's like, dude, you should listen to this. They're talking about reds and traps and F and F. I'm like, oh. <laughs> All the things that I want to talk about. <laughs> so, then Chris is a wealth of knowledge for sure. Yeah. Like he's a smart dude. Um, oh, yeah. He can come across the wrong way on the internet a little bit, but I can too. Like, so like once you get past that and you see how smart he is, like he's, I actually gave him an invite to humble pie last year, but it was too late. Like he needed like time to try and make that happen. Yeah. But, Part of my invites too is when people get a little mouthy and like they're all that on the internet and like, oh, I've never had to pull pull cable. I'm like, well, when you get off the girl trails, maybe you'll. <laughs> well, you want to come and show me what's up? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, though, Roush Creek again. All of their trails have go rounds on the trail, whatever they're specifically placed as so even if it's a fucking red there's like a blueish black go around and i noticed that specifically because when we went and did i forget the exact trail but it's where the bees were where colin almost rolled it and it was wicked muddy whatever there was a group of smaller rigs behind us and we're looking at them like oh shit they're following us up this but then i realized that they were just going straight around all of it so anybody could say they run fucking reds yep. at Roush does not mean they actually run the reds. Yep. And, um, and you and that's like the perfect example of why Humble Pie is a thing is because, yeah, you think you're hot shit going around. Guess what? There's a tree in a tree 
five feet apart from one another, go stick your tires through it, otherwise you ain't making it. Like, that's sick. Right. <laughs> probably told this story about 35 freaking times now, but part of the reason that my Jeep was down for so long, that it, or as long as it was, is Graham, uh, myself, and who was it? It was Tyler and uh, the other guy that was driving the, in the CJ. Their name escapes me. Uh, the owner that read CJ on 43s that we were with. Um, well, shoot. Jamie? Just Jamie, that's Jamie. it. Jamie. Um, so we went up to Crawler Ridge, and there was a group of JKs that were kind of like messing, it or, or messing around on there, and that's like a black slash red obstacle there. And they were not giving it a good try. Like, they would go put tires on it, and then they would go up to the side and go around. And I'm like, no, I've got an XJ on tons and 40s. I'm going to go for it. And it didn't want it, and it wasn't going to go, but that did not stop me from hitting rev limiter on it and blowing the leaf springs through the floorboards. <laughs> yeah, you, I forgot you. that's the trail you destroyed those things on. I mean, both then, of us destroyed everything. I sliced a tire, or did I popped one, uh, or yep. debated it, and it was the room was all messed up, and you sliced it good, or maybe it was I, the opposite. I sliced I it on a flat rock. I debated a tire and destroyed the rim, um, and I blew the three link upper mount. Like yep. I destroyed it, it the came support off. for that, yeah. so it was just flopping around. I broke the bolt in the top of the three link. I'm pissed we didn't get back to that last year. That's a fun obstacle. Even to just get up to that spot and just hammer on it and see what happens. I'd, I'd yeah. love to give it another shot with more gearing. Roush Creek is a cool park. Don't get me wrong. I've been there a few times. But I also got supported by Paragon. I got to go to Paragon for a few times, which was legit. That place was legit. Yeah, it's a shame that. The legends, but before our time. It's funny, uh, we just got a message literally like yesterday asking about Paragon because Chris Ayasho had brought it up. So we were talking to the guy about that. He he did in fact he he, he thinks that what what did what do you say? Famous Redding was Yeah, that like, that sounds right. Sort of, uh, um I don't know. It's a shame that it's not a legit off road park anymore because it was they it beat Roush Creek by leaps and bounds. And coming from New England, it was closer by an hour. Is this where we say rip uh, Harris Mountain as well? Or eh, Harris Mountain was... <laughs> it had it a was couple cool. good trails, but... It was cool. It's, I it heard was... Mountain, and it's unfortunate that he, you know, managed it the way he did, and he is where he is in life, and yeah. Liza and I actually... We reach out to him a few times to, you know, help him figure out how to do it right and how to make money at it, how to do it legit, how to, mm -hmm. what to avoid, and he he just saw us as the enemy. Like, yeah. dude, I remember is... distinctly hearing about that at uh, eight forty-five in the morning while we had eggs on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why the eggs are on fire. Couldn't couldn't be me. That was such a weird way to put that. <laughs> No, he's being serious. I literally had the pan on fire because my dumbass forgot that bacon grease is really fucking flammable, and all of a sudden, everything was up in flames, and I'm like, 
whoa! And I then grabbed the cast iron pan with my bare ass hand, burnt the shit out of my hand. It was a great time. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you, you grabbed it like three times. That was an actual thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then uh, the owner came wandering out to talk and complain at us. Yeah. <laughs> Trouble from almost lighting his fire? No, no, he didn't care no, about that. Uh, didn't care about that at all. Talking about how uh, certain people had issues with management. We, and... we also did go pretty much one of the last legal weekends. Like, yeah. it was the, we went the last, like, the Rockaholics were going there. I think we either planned it or got invited, whatever it may have been. And it was probably, like, one of the third weekends before it got shut down by the police. And it, that was a really good weekend. We wheeled oh, yeah. Brookridge uh, right after the first expansion on the property had been cut. And then we went over there and camped for the weekend. And we got to watch everyone run the reds and we ran the blacks so speaking on it was dry as hell that's the other thing we made it up stuff that we've never done before because there was just no water right now speaking on brokerage though brokerage is turning into a pretty cool property we used to write off if it's a swamp it'd be it'd be doable for people who don't have sticky tires obviously oh yeah when you win uh mike's buggy with the <laughs> stickies on it, and it can just, you know exactly, it can do everything there, no problem. And JB's sitting there, like, dumbfounded. Uh, we, we had the thing basically 90 degrees, uh, you know, fully off to the left side there, and uh, you know, he was like, we should be rolling right now. I was like, yeah, we should. You should probably keep moving so we, we don't, because <laughs> nobody's going to be able to get a winch up here. <laughs> it, it, the thing's just so stable. It's He's having a blast with that already. Just one week, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna sell the XJ because this thing's awesome." I was like, I "Well, would. let's let's save that for an episode where he could talk about it himself because I think he would yeah, be yeah, excited yeah. to come on and chat about that." Well, let's but give I him a few to... more runs, and I do want to talk to him about that thing, and you know, I think yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, it'd be cool if we could talk to Mike about the buggy because you know he sort of had right. he he kind of had the thing built and well, aren't we having and... Keith on? We should have Keith on at some point. Listen, listen, down. listen. We got a lot of people lined <laughs> up right now. They're starting to swim in my head. I have the big ones in chronological order, and then I've got a bunch of other people that I'm working on fitting into the schedule because I've got cool rigs and I want to talk with them. Mm -hmm. But, like... To clarify, though, if we have Keith on, we've had now had Bob on, we've had Chris, we've had Timmy, we've had... Uh... Oh my God, I forget his name. He's been gone so long in Florida. Rob, we've had Rob on, like all of his friends. I mean, I think at this point we just get Megan on and then he's forced to come on. <laughs> but Chris, um, Chris did some good podcasts. He was fun to listen to. Chris he, is always a blast to have on. He's articulate, you know, he, yeah. he, he tells good stories. He really does. Very much so. That is for sure. Now, I got a question that I ask in every episode, and this one's pretty special because, you know, you're the man, the myth, the legend of a beautiful property who gets to see a lot of cool rigs come through. What is, and I'm going to word it differently so Graham doesn't <laughs> yell at me, what's the worst tire that comes onto your property, and what's the best tire, and try to keep it to DOTs, but I, because I'm guessing the stickies are going to win, 
But what's the what's the best sticky? Oh no, as well? there's variation in stickies too, though. What's the best stick? Do do both, I guess. Yeah, they're <laughs> also higher conversation. So, um, in my opinion, the worst tire to wheel here is a cut swamper or a cut bogger. Um, really? By a, by a bias buy. Oh, they're just too hard. They. Especially a swan, a TSL. Um, uh, what's the LTB? LTBs. They're made out of rock. <laughs> Can't confirm. Um, so anything like that would be the worst. The best, what DOT? Um, gosh, any of the better brands are. They're all neck and neck. They're all still only DOTs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, ouch, on, but mm-hmm. <laughs> on, so we have a super niche, and you guys have been here, so you, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving any revelations, but obviously, it's a pretty niche property where if you don't show up with some sort of competition tire, half the property is almost off the board. It's, it's almost stupid to try and pull into a red trail during a normal weather season. So 2020 was a 20-year drought season, and um, that was the exception to the rule. Everything was hero traction all season long. Like, Paul Barnes ran the entire place multiple times that season on super swampers. Just bias ply, 42-inch TSLs. Um, But he can drive, he knows the property, and there was that much traction. But in a normal season... There's you have no chance of driving a red trail end to end on DOT tires. You can't do it. Wow. We have eight of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's almost the entire count of all the other trails combined. Yeah. That's a dose of humble pie right there. So, so, so how big is a field and forest, Bob? One twenty-five total. One hundred and twenty-five acres in its entirety. Um, so 15 of those acres are the campground. Um, for the longest time, we only had 75 acres of trails. I recently opened up um, the 25 acres on the north end, finally decided enough's enough, it's time to cut a trail here. Um, that's Dick in the Dirt, it's a new trail. Um, still pretty fresh. And it also has the hardest obstacles on the property at the beginning. Um, which it took somebody else. So I started, I saw these lines and everybody was like, you're crazy, you're crazy. Nobody's ever going to go up that. And Hans Shearer, I don't know if you guys know him. He's the, he's the mastermind behind X-Rock. Um, mm. Rock rolling competition in the Northeast. Okay. Is he's it usually like We Rock? He, it's not We Rock, but I think he's familiar with those guys. Okay. He, he's a spell. So anyways, he has this event called Put Up or Shut Up. It's sort of like an invitational, hey, here's a chance to just like, you know, get in each other's faces and run the most extreme stuff that I can make you do. It's not the typical rock crawling comp. So he decided to consider coming here. So we walked the property and he pointed out some stuff. I'm like, dude, I thought I saw that line too. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. So I caught 
four obstacles at the beginning of Dick in the Dirt, which is where he's going to do his put up or shut up in August, um, that are just full retard. Full yeah, retard. I just looked up X Rock, uh, extreme rock crawling uh, on Facebook, and yeah, that, that that whole property caters to them, and I can imagine them cutting some nasty trails just based on the cover alone here. Yeah, he's going to cut some stuff probably to suit his needs better. I, I caught I caught most of what we talked about when we were here. Um, I'm starting to get guys to put tires on them, um, but he's probably going to cut some more. He's going to make them drop off ledges that are like the size of a house. Oh. He would actually be a good guy to get on the podcast probably. He can talk, um, and he's uh, articulate. He's a, he's a super nice guy. I like him a lot. And his name is? Hans Shearer. All right. I'll ask you later. <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to begin to spell that. Hans Shearer. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I started, I'm like, H-E-R-E-R, something like that. The only thing I have to remind you is we're Cherokee guys, so we can't spell, and it's amazing that we can even hold a welder straight. <laughs> There's a reason why I never turn off the uh, auto predict for my iPhone. <laughs> Jesus, I don't. I don't think I have typed an entire word in like five years. Oh, You're terrible! <laughs> With the guys that have kind of came through the park and been there a lot, I know quite a few of them that have kind of been posting a lot of pictures and videos there, but. Uh, are there any like really influential people in your mind for excellent driving? Um, I know like, let's see, Caleb Spillane's been up there um, and he's always kind of impressed me with the ability to get that black XJ through everything. Great dude. Um, Caleb's Harry... Harry Hendricks was one of the guys that um, I started wheeling with when I first got into it. Awesome dude. Um, and then Kevin Powell was the guy that was pushing me on my one-ton swap towards getting it built to FNF specs to get up there, uh, along with Tyler. But Tyler moved away, and sadly, you know, Kevin. Kevin passed, yeah. Um. All, all good dudes. Um, some of the guys that stand out in my mind, uh, Eugene Whitford, Paul Barnes, um, Brendan Cavanaugh, um, Mikey Gawley, uh, Scott Dollard, like just all guys who just, they know how to drive. They know the, so when you, when you get a guy who knows how to drive, Put him in a rig that at least won't hold him back and um then put him in this place that they know like the back of their hand and uh just stand back and watch a great show because they yeah. they put it on but i was uh, i was also going to mention harry harry and hannah together oh my god i love watching those two um yeah they were insane quality people yeah real quality Harry's Jeep was the first large XJ I ever saw. I was going to say, Harry was like the first like bugified XJ that I personally ever saw. Right? Like, and, it's, and all the way to the end, 
and when he finally got a uh, completion time at Humble Pie, full bodied doors still on. Like you didn't even take the doors off. Yeah. Right. That thing still got four doors. <laughs> Is that thing even still around? I haven't talked to him in ages, but I don't think that he will ever get rid of that thing. It means too much to him. Um, as far as I know, he still has it. What, dude? When he got when he got a finishing time in 2020, um, he was in tears. I was in tears. I when I'm standing there at the end and I blow I blow the horn, I'm so emotionally um, involved with everybody up to that point that whatever they feel at the end, I I can't help. I'm I'm right there. Taylor Katrini cried when she got a when she actually got a finishing time. I'm I'm bawling with her. I'm like, are you kidding? No, kid. Um, Michael there screaming and jumping up and down because his daughter got across the finish line. Um, seeing Brennan Kavanaugh in 2020 do it in 13 minutes. And he's like, holy crap, that was cool. Um, I'm like right there with him. Like, dude, that was the best thing I ever saw. Um, That's wild. Some of those trails don't look like it, they could be done in 13 minutes, and that's based <laughs> off of pictures. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that, that's one of the things is like it's pretty standard that pictures don't ever do trails justice, but Field and Force definitely gives that set a run for its money. Yeah, every once in a while you run across some pictures that um, really do show you how big the rocks are, and it's like, oh, damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I get, I get, when we bought the Samurai, I have no plans to go run red trails with it. Like, I just need something that will reliably get me down to black trails, get me out there to the property so that I can put signs up. I have two events that I put signs up for now. Have you guys heard of uh, Civil War? We were talking about tires a few minutes ago. No. So, I have. I've. I've caught so, wind of it. So Civil War is the tire war. It started off um, with running mouths on Facebook groups, as it always does. And um, I, I don't know if you guys have heard, we hate traps up here. Um, <laughs> trap on for yourself. I love mine, or loved them. I don't have them anymore. Honestly, it's the joke now. Yeah. Because <laughs> we know people also was like... <laughs> Traps suck. Yep. <laughs> but so here we actually see a difference. You go on a red trail and you try and make your thing, your rig stick sideways going uphill and it's all covered in slime. Like the red labels actually like will stick when it gets the gooier it gets here compared to everything else. They lose the least amount of traction compared to what everything else loses. Everything else drops off quickly and we just see that red labels don't so it turned into a pissing match and there was this one guy who was there's no way that you're gonna go up an obstacle that i can't do on my on my buggy on trap tires so we're like well come on up and prove it this isn't the south bruh <laughs> um where everything is clay and and everything's a hill kill and you just drop the hammer and if you can't make it you just back around and take the go around because you don't feel like pulling cable like you got to pull cable here too because it's no way around it yep 
that was so we came up with this idea of north versus south but it was really a tire war it's it's and so i figured out a way to like four key points it's basically a scavenger hunt through the woods through the trails and when you come on a sign that that'll add an obstacle it'll give a certain point value for you if you make it without pulling cable you keep track of those points and at the end of the day just tell me how many points you got it's on our system because nobody's winning anything it's just bragging rights but we average all the tires out and and that's that that's pretty cool i would love to come and watch that event that's fucking cool sorry i don't know if i was loud enough or not but yeah that's i heard you dope. that's cool um guys <laughs> that's humble pie like i mean uh like eight o'clock or nine o'clock on Saturday morning, I'm just going to blow the horn and be like, okay, trails are open. Come back for five o'clock for dinner. And while you guys are eating dinner, I'll come around all the tables and, and ask you, you know, what you ended up with for points. And, um, we would try, I'm going to see if I can talk a few people into swapping tires on Sunday, if they've got the same bolt pattern to like, see if it's the rig. Is it the mm -hmm. rig? Is it the driver? Is it yeah. the tire? And, um, I love that. <laughs> Yeah, just sort of put your put your tires where your mouth is, sort of deal. I just came up with a way to put your tires where your mouth is, yeah. and um, good naturedly like rib each other. Worked out. It was working out good too because for a while, our friend Devin Noyce, who owns the jungle, or his, his family owns the jungle, he was living down south, so he would drag some of his southern buddies up <laughs> to do that. <laughs> he would actually probably be a good interview, also. You get, he's a pretty funny dude. Yeah. I I've been I don't I think I was invited to the jungle once, but I don't think I had my shit together. Something was I still had something to do on my shit or something was going on and I couldn't do it. But I heard that property is pretty cool. I heard it is too. Can you believe I've never been and I'm really good friends with Devin and all those guys up in Vermont. Um I've never been. Because well all this time we haven't had a rig and being married to this place i can't go until the season either right before the season or right after the season mm -hmm. so, so here I am. oh yeah that's right you're kind of locked down to it like you you're you can't just go out one weekend to a different property how how often do you have that place booked up is it is it like most weekends so every weekend over the summer May 14th is our first weekend open and the third weekend in October is our last weekend open and they've been sold out for a month and a half, two months. Wow. Wow. Holy crap. Every single weekend. I feel like I should turn the light on or something. No, oh, it's all right. <laughs> so outside of your property though, what other properties your favorite too? If like, if you were, to go to one because you had the free weekend and you wanted to wheel somewhere else, where would you go? I would try to go to the jungle or crazy eights. Um, for good things about badlands. I would probably try and go there. You know what I really miss? I really miss, um, old Florida road. I haven't run that in forever. I have yet to run old Florida road. Even still open. Yes, I mean it's a it's a class three or class four road, so like it's still open. Uh, I know that they haven't locked them yet. Yep, I know that there's a certain extent you can go to now. I think before you could go to the quote unquote top, 
but now there's like after power lines or pipeline or something you're supposed to stop i believe is something that i heard um, are you what thinking was I'm... that richie i i said okay because the, the last i heard of it oh. we're putting a gate up so i meant that it was closed the the state the state put gates up um they didn't lock them yet gotcha um but they put them up so that they ha already have the opportunity to lock it if they want um i didn't hear anything about only being able to go part way i thought that was mob bell which um yeah the back side of mob bell is off limits right you can only go to the top of committed <laughs> Which I rolled yep. my first hierarchy on committed, almost three full barrel off that. Oh, oh, oh God! Three that is not a fun hill. Rolls? Two and three quarters. Okay, G Jesus. I, I believe it. That's not a fun one to go rolling backwards on. Fuck that. That was a. At least was, have a cage. That was a Dana thirty-five. I was standing on the throttle, bouncing up the second bounce, the center section. Broke free of the tubes, rolled, pulled the rear drive shaft out. And then I was like, looked at my oh. passenger, like, um, oh shit, we're going, it's, it's going down. Wow. And <laughs> clank, clank, and clank. Wow. It's filled in it, and it was still in one piece. That's no, insane. No doors, no cage. Um, the only thing I had going on was um, a completely overbuilt roof rack that I threw bolted through the, the roof tin to the, the subframe. I had the, the headliner out and spacers mm -hmm. to like tie it into the subframe. I mean, you know, the, the yeah, upright the little bars. on Yeah. The yep. Um, and, and, and all the side ones too. So, you know how we pull the headliner out and you can see all the, all the inside framing and then it's just the tin of the roof. Mm -hmm. So I tied into those and, um, it took it pretty well, actually. I, I can't really complain, but that was that one was done. It was, it was yeah. like cut it up, cut it up. <laughs> Buy another Cherokee, three hundred bucks, and swap the parts over. Yeah, <laughs> so I did. What a Briarwood. Yeah, hmm. those are. Uh, cool. I, I like the it was odd with the wood on the side. It was green. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it was the, good. Not everybody liked it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I got a kick out. I don't know. The the wood paneled Cherokees just for me have always kind of been like yeah, I don't know. I've my dad's always had a Grand Wagoneer with the wood paneling on the side. It's an eighty nine, it's not a it's not like an early one, but like it's uh that that car looks good with the wood paneling. The Cherokees just especially the Briarwoods, the older ones uh, with like the ten slot grill. Oh, I guess maybe the Briarwoods did. I don't know what what the year cutoffs were. Briarwoods like, had a weird grill on them. I thought the the Wagoneers had that four headlight bug eye look. The Wagoneers <laughs> did, yeah. but the Briarwoods had a different grill insert with Cherokee headlights. Hmm. Huh. At yeah, least that's what Doug's had. A uh, buddy of mine from Connecticut had one of those, and. He said that it was factory. I don't know. I'm not that smart, but he was a buddy of mine from Naxtra. Good guy. I miss the Naxtra days. I miss when uh, North Atlantic chapter would come here for a Rocktoberfest. 
back when Colin Pel- Pellegrino and all those guys were hot and heavy into into North Atlantic chapter. Mm. Another batter. Uh, so, which, am I? Oops, sorry. No, it's all good. Um, uh, I am I? Yep. Am I wrong with thinking that Chris Ioshua bought his buggy from you, or? Yeah, it wasn't me. Different guy. Oh, okay. Did that guy own a property too? I thought there was some. Uh, yeah, Dave has a property. Okay, I was thinking because I know that he had cut boggers at one point, and I know that you mentioned that cut boggers suck ass up the F and F. So I was I, right as you said that. I'm like, ah, so Chris did suck back then. All right, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe you're calling him out, but never mind. <laughs> it didn't. And he'd be the first one to tell you, like, yeah, these. When it was dry, you feel like a hero because I mean, anything sticks when mm-hmm. it's when it's dry. So he'd be like, "Oh, this is great, great," and I love the the size because they roll over everything. And then as soon as it rained, <laughs> can't wait to buy a set of forty three SXs. Right. I've uh, seen those KR3s work in the wet this past weekend. They kind of got me hot on the idea of KR3s. I know that they're not great when they're wet, but I don't know. After seeing those SXs, unless those SXs on uh, Miguel's buggy are just really worn. putting on a show, right? Yeah, compared to JB's, um, uh, they were doing nothing. Charlotte, if you want, I can give it a name. Uh, but I don't know it. We'll quickly touch on that because I want to just talk about that. I do love now that JB has Charlotte because Charlotte is the name of the JK, right? Or was when it was Mike's? Yes. Okay. So I love that Miguel now is not necessarily forced to go that extra step, but he's never had to take that extra step because in our club, he was the most capable-ish rig. On paper. Paper, yes. Uh, you know, when he gets a flat tire on the blue trail and has to fill up every run, and uh, I don't know, there's a couple things about that buggy that he still needs to tweak. It has yeah. potential to be really awesome, but I don't think it's quite there yet. Another thing, and this is not a dig at Miguel, Miguel does really well, and you can get that buggy to do really stupid things, but you have to get up in front of him and be absolutely confident when you spot him yes if you say it with total confidence he will happily put it on its side if you tell him that you got to warm it up he will warm it up but so he's changed a little bit now that jv has the buggy he whenever so they kind of go head like neck or head and head neck to neck or whatever because if uh miguel does something or can't do something, then JV has to go and try it to either, you know, one-up Miguel. So it's a really cool dynamic because Miguel's never had to one-up somebody before. The only other person would be Colin, but Colin's just going to make it up something with, like, sure determination and brute force, where Miguel's always had the extra flex in the tire to do it uh, gracefully, I guess you could say. So (laughs) it was a really cool dynamic to see this past weekend, even though it was brokerage, there wasn't many reds or... uh, there wasn't any blacks either that they were running because we had to chug along three open, open vehicles. Um, two of which don't want to get body damage, which is just the cutest thing to me. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what but, are you talking about? That you don't want body damage. Because they're, they're open, the, open. I, I know. I'm, I'm, out of I'm blue. Just... And I'm just like, well, you got to bump yeah. it a little. 
oh, but I don't want to mess up my rocker panels. And I'm like, what the fuck's a rocker panel, dude? Just fuck it. Like, or I'm not to call out Buckley, but Buckley was like, you know, I think I'm going to get sliders before I dent my rocker panel. And I looked at him, I'm like, you really do suck dick with your butt, huh? I'm like, because who the fuck cares? Like, it's a Cherokee. Oh, uh, sorry. They get stronger you. the more you cr crumple say, them in, too. I will. Oh, yeah. Doing my sliders after fucking my rocker on the driver's side made it 10 times harder to do. No, what are you talking about? You cut all <laughs> you of it out. You get blackout drunk and beat it with a hammer until it fit. Well, <laughs> what happened? But the passenger side, I didn't have to beat anything. It just went dink right in. <sighs> That's yeah. not about you. Mine took forever. That well, you also like... did totally different style. You almost yeah. you went like a yours half are like side. nice and I, don't I belong did... on a Cherokee. <laughs> I'm gonna be brutally honest. I I did not care to make them that pretty, Graham. Yeah, I don't know. I like having right. it look kind of finished. Bob, you were saying something about crumpled rockers that I wanted to hear it. Oh, no. I was, just, I was agreeing with you. You're right. You crumple them up and they actually get pretty beefy. Yeah. The minute, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of creates the contour that it wants for, uh, you, you know, rocks. It'll just slide right off in the future. And it, it, I don't know. I kind of like the look. I had, before I did my uh, 2x6, it was just this raisin on the side it was starting to creep up the doors and i ended up chopping the doors uh most of the way but there's still like an inch or so you can see some of the the original doors that i still have on it you can see dents in them from where i cut it and sort of masked <laughs> it so it looks pretty good now but back then it was like a it was a mess i've got one picture where like there's a rotted hole in the thing and everything's just like beat in it was uh yeah and i had i did one side went wheeling that weekend, and then did the other side the weekend after. So I had one rocker on one side for a while, and nothing on the other side. It was... Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah. How long ago was that? That was Badlands a couple years ago. Really? Yeah. Wait, was I there for that Badlands? Probably. Oh my gosh. I wish I noticed. <laughs> yeah. I would have made funny for it. <laughs> yeah, nobody noticed it. Just I distinctly remember, though, that I went and crushed in the driver's rocker at my place one weekend and then went to i want to say it was battleground like a week or two after and i kept getting hooked and stuck on that fucking hole in my rocker from my place that every single rock just went right there and it would start pivoting the jeep every fucking time <laughs> i've yet to experience that the only thing i will give the whole no body damage guys is when above your door gets damaged that sucks when your doors start not really closing right and then they start leaking that's the only thing i'll give them is that that kind of sucks that's ass. just cherokee life dude my that's driver keep up. my that's driver door doesn't close like it it closes <laughs> but it doesn't close i don't know what changed i just i took the doors off one day and i went and put them back on and it, I, it lines up it just doesn't close your body moved I know it did, it's but it's like, a little. It, it looks fine, <laughs> everything still fits, it closes, it latches, it just doesn't, you can't push it that whole way in, I don't know if the hinge is messed up so, or what, it doesn't bug me though. Not my passenger door, I had to unbolt it and drop it down, so it's now like basically sitting on top of the slider to get it so it'll still latch, and you have to like, gently slam it and then pull it back or it won't stay latched. 
I, it's great. I, I just don't care. It closes, and I can't, like, accidentally open it. So it's not going to, like, fly open on the highway. So it is what it is. <laughs> so you mentioned, Bob, that you had a few Cherokees. How many yeah. did you have? And were any of them, like, would any of them survive F and F? one we had sort of survived for a little while it was tons 538s um mostly cage blah 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 atlas three link four link it mostly survived but it started showing signs of um where it wasn't plated and uh, ripping things the green yeah eliza's reminded me the green one we had was pretty cool the one at that double so we had a nice green driver. It was a nice trail rig, 35s, Dana 44 rear, 30 front, alloy everything, lock up, blah, blah, blah. The doubler kit, a polished turd, Liza, Liza called it. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun all-around driver. I had, God, I must have had like a dozen. Between parts rigs and, and you know, little drivers. I still have a driver now, you know, 98 uh, Amethyst Purple. One with on set on a set of thirty ones. That's a cool color too. You don't see that one often. That purpley, right? And I don't know what to do with it. It needs just enough work to go back on the road, and I don't feel like doing it. But it's mm -hmm. like I don't know what to do. Liza's like, do whatever you want with it. You want to sell it, sell it. You want to build it, build it. But I'd rather, I'd rather take two grand. I'd rather like sell it for two grand if I can and put it into her LJ rather than take two grand and put it into that one. Yeah. And just a mild wielder. Well, I love Cherokees, man. They're so utilitarian. Like, I mean, what's not to love about 100 inch wheelbase? You know, I actually think that the leaf springs in the back and coils in front is a good combo out of the box because, um, I don't know if you guys remember in the first years when people were building TJs, like one of the hot setups to do for a while was to get rid of their rear coil suspension and go Leafs. Really? Yeah. yeah well, um, Hunter Perry, I think is the guy's name. He's friends with IB Jeepin and he has a TJ with a stretch front, like a minor stretch and a three link up front and then in the rear he's got a dana 44 with uh xj leaf springs in it and yeah. the thing's pretty cool so that that's a formula that that works in you know probably like two-thirds to three-quarters of your off-roading situations when you're when you're climbing mm -hmm. for example a nice a nice flexi front the front tires get up and over, and then you can usually, you can usually get the rear to get up and over with a with enough aggression. Mm -hmm. But it makes it nice and stable, and the stable rear forces the front to work really well. I, I'm a sucker for myself. I just always thought they were great. This is one thing I noticed with the four link. Uh, now that the rear does something, the front feels like it's falling off, and I can't tell if it's because of the coilovers in the rear and the stretch in the rear, or if the front needs work. Front probably needs work. I mean, you basically dialed your rear, and your front's like... Uh, I mean, it's like an amalgamation of stock and one-ton stuff, and 
you know, there's just it can get messy. I mean, I could see where, like, I think it's just because you're so used to the Jeep being more yeah. uh, advanced in the front, I guess you could say, because your rear really didn't do much back then. So now no, that the it was rear a does stable brick. Yeah, so now that your rear does more, I think you're just feeling that the front needs to like produce more than what it did. Like, yeah, it works great, but if you're not if you're not feeling as stable in the front as you are the rear compared to like whatever you're like however that was before, maybe you're just feeling that it's just needs that update because you you are four link rear with coilovers and then a old style coil. Pardon me, like a stock style coil with a three link and a track bar and a hydro assist with ball joints. Like, or, unless you switch that up within, but I don't know. But like, I think it just needs that update that the rear got pretty much. Yeah, I agree. I just don't really know what to do with it. Cause it's like a really nice front three link. And, uh, you know, I've got the numbers. I forget them off the top of my head today, which is kind of embarrassing, but it, everything kind of performs as it should loose. Now that you have a, four link in the rear part of that is because the rear is so flexy now it's easier for it to unload and actually overcome the front where you know before you had those leaf springs it was a nice stable platform um so because the tire wants to drop up so much further now so much easier um you might need to compensate with in instead of redoing all the front you might be better off just going like a rear spade I guess okay. you're I guess you're right that does make sense because sorry uh the rear like the it would hold the weight better where the front's allowed to just kind of keep traction to the ground with the spring like the rear leaves actually holding the weight of the Cherokee to where now the rear is also wanted to put the like to transition the weight differently so I think you're right maybe a sway bar would be beneficial in keeping that not center line but keeping it kind of well, Flat, guys, I guess. guys usually, I mean, if if they're driving it on the road and people do a four link in the rear, you always hear about sway bars. I can see that having more benefits than just that, right? Yeah. Um, but all, but also any rocks are a thing. Like people run them out west, even on just a strict wheeling rig. So there's got to be some benefit to that as well. No, they are. So. Yeah, I think that actually can give you in some situations more traction, from what I understand, hmm. than if yep. you didn't have one. They do. That's no joke. They, they, they make for an overall more stable rig, which translates to, to better traction when it comes down to it. They just they 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 do work. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of them. Like I I don't ever counsel when I whenever I build uh, jeeps for people, I never counsel them to lose their rear sway bar. T TJ guys, or oh, take the rear sway bar and throw it away. I mean. You can get away with that on a Cherokee because it's running leaf springs and it's already a pretty stable for me. You don't necessarily need that rear spray bar. On a TJ, oh my God, you need it so bad. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed, that, I noticed that the one time we pulled, so my girlfriend has a TJ and she was kind of annoyed because she wasn't getting flexed and I'm like, well, hey, you have stock sway bars. Let's just take the front, we'll take the front and rear off. And it was horrible. It felt just like a sloppy mess. Like I was playing in like, I was sitting on top of Jello. And it was just like bloop, bloop, bloop. and then we put the rears back on and it's fucking awesome now and it almost feels as you said like a cherokee it's pretty fucking cool yeah i, I concur with all that 
Are those rear sway bars on the TJ? They've, it's got to be a lighter spring rate. It can't be like a... Super it, small sway bar. Yeah. Not very big at all. Yeah, so plenty yeah, of flex just, on that. Just enough to make a difference, though. Yep. Yeah. I would say it's thicker than a stock Cherokee rear sway bar, though. Not the front. The front's obviously way bigger, but, like, the rear Cherokee stock sway bar is barely anything. It's like a coat hanger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or at least, like, the TJ's maybe the diameter of a finger. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll give you. Sure. But, um, so, is there any events other than the uh civil war and humble pie or is there a new club that's coming up that you're kind of excited for this year well i can think of one event that's already sold out i do not have uh my finger on the pulse of clubs the way liza does um a couple events that i am excited for um of course season opener sold out um, within, uh, I think we're at about a day now. It takes like a day to sell that out. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. You got to be like on top of it. On top of it, if you want to get a ticket. The Fourth of July and Summer Blast that will sell out slower because it's a holiday weekend. That's always a little iffy. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite events that happens here, besides Humble Pie, and so Humble Pie is patterned after this event and it's the remote control weekend the rc rock rollers mm-hmm. they come mm-hmm. here for, they are literally the shout out to remote control east coast rcec they are the best people on the face of the planet the they're based out of mostly based out of vermont um trevor rushford is the guy the guy behind it he is just a one-tenth version of us and he is so gung-ho they have like 16 events or 17 events that they do all weekend long they they gifted me with a rock bouncer last year and they actually so they do rock bounces under the lights friday night that's um, super fun <laughs> or it's like small so, scaled down yeah that's super cool Whoa, whoa, fuck you, Graham. I mentioned RCs and you make fun Yours of me. Right? I want to fucking hear. Okay. They're, they're oh. rock bouncing. What is, you're not doing that. Yeah. Doing, <laughs> they do mega trucks. They do rock crawling. They do rock bouncing. They do scale rock crawling. And then they do full retard rock crawling. Like, is it's basically Humble Pie. I, That's cool. I came up with Humble Pie because Trevor like inspired me to be like i'm gonna make the most fuck you fucked up event and things to go through and you guys are gonna come out of the woods miserable and that's what that's the event he does and so that's what i did i'm like dude you guys yeah that's began during my driver's meeting for humble pie i say all the regular trail rules apply basically if it'll help you you can't do it <laughs> <laughs> if off of a trail they can't come back in on the bailout they have to start the trail from scratch they can't go up green six which is a one way between um everything sucks in the corner it's it's downhill only i tell them no you're not allowed to go up that just for this weekend sorry go the long way um all of it and he's and he's like that trevor's like that he's like oh yeah no 
Panda Guard, mark that shit. Um, <laughs> if they want perfect scores. They can't do anything. Like when they roll over, their buddy needs to pull them over or they need to winch or whatever. Um, it's so fun. Those guys are so fun. Yeah. So, so like, do you have your own separate, like, RC course up there? Or the Rock Bouncer Hills are separate. They're there all the time just because they groom them a certain way. And, like, they just try and keep these lines. So I keep them. I actually made little signs for them. And I made them. But no, they go out and wheel the trail. All the trail. Fuck. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> they put out, like, a thousand gates. I don't know. Wow. That's a lot of got... gates. Nah, so, like, yeah, they lay out a thousand gates for these guys to go through. Shred the ledge. They they open the course for 24 hours, and some guys take, like, literally 24 hours to run all of it. It's, and it's all personal. Um, it's all personal uh, goal-oriented. Like, some guys are like, yeah, whatever, I'll pick my rig up, hand to God, yeah, whatever, here, here, Trevor, here's my scorecard, a thousand. Hand of God. How many gods? Some people write all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care, I'm just here for the fun, and here, yeah. take my money, thank you for laying out this course and and making me go expose myself to this property in this way through your eyes and like that's it's a- just an adventure that's cool that's crazy really cool. and uh, i we've been doing a couple motorcycle rallies too which has turned into something that sells out in a couple hours we we capped that at 120 and um at least the summer one. The summer one will sell out in probably an hour, hour and a half. Now, for 120. I'm surprised that the J Day races haven't contacted you. It seems like your property would kind of fit their niche as well. Um, I have a story for that. Oh, I actually boy. contacted J Day mm-hmm. um, as soon as we bought the place and had him come out. And uh, we're not big enough and we're not easy enough. We don't have enough parking, um, and the terrain is too rugged. But we were a perfect fit for Graham Jarvis, the greatest of all time. Really? Number one extreme enduro rider. Yeah. Like years yeah, Erzberg yeah. and all that. Yeah. Or Ernsberg, Erz, or I don't know how to pronounce that. Fuck, I couldn't even try. Yeah, so he, he was here for a two-day clinic, and... Um, Oh my God! The things that he did. He did a nose wheelie coming down a sucker punch climb. What? Oh, <laughs> I have it on video somewhere. It was the coolest thing. I was like, Oh my God! So they <laughs> they have no idea who he is. They don't know about the Landesee races out in Austria. They have no fucking idea the amount of like bike control that this guy has. That's fucking. You know of him? I didn't know that, Richie. I didn't know how much you knew into that, but I assume these guys didn't. That's really fucking cool. I had no idea that he he came out that way. And wow. Some local guy had had gone out for a clinic with him uh, the year before out to Colorado, and um, they got his number, and they're like, hey, you want to come to New England? And they talked him into it, and uh, my friend Kevin Kevin Sweeney, super local guy, he was like, it's got to happen to Field and Forest. It's just like, that's the place. It's He can he can host it. They got fields. We can do uh, field uh, 
field exercises and then the terrain out back, then we never have to leave property. Yeah. So I was like, came and checked it out and I was like, I'm all down with it. Like we'll rent the place to, to anybody. It's just good luck getting a date from us. Cause we have, we have so many dates a year that we automatically, like we automatically give the NEA like between six and eight dates a year. And that's, where we don't require the clubs to pay to step up for the minimum charge. Um, so if you want the place for yourself for the weekend, we have a minimum charge. We're like, well, it's that will be worth like two grand for the weekend anyway. So that's like 50 people for two nights in a row. So Friday and Saturday night at $20 per person per night, it's you know, two grand for 50 people more than that. And we get more money, but we're like, well, if you want it for yourself, it should be worth at least this much. So oh, absolutely, absolutely. So we're basically on on the open market every year, but it's it's mostly word of mouth, and it's you got to be you have to be honest. Where we start booking in the middle of this, people are already. Oh. So we have the same dates that recur every single every single year. Our season opener, uh, Liza was just telling me we have at least fifteen dates that are recurring every year. Jeez. So we just want to know that we're going to give to these people again the following year if they want it. Mm-hmm. And in a business standpoint, that's fucking awesome because at least like you can plan out and then fill in in between with the fluff, and it fucking worked out great for you guys. I'm sure that's awesome. We're we're actually frustrated because we want to do more stuff, and Liza's like, "When are we? When when do you think we're going to fit it in? Like, I want to do. I can't because I don't have a date." Yeah. Um, I wanted to fit in another motorcycle clinic. Um, Meg Griffith. Um, mm. I can't. I couldn't fit her in. She well, I could have fit her in during one of the motorcycle rallies, and she couldn't make those dates work. So I'm like, oh, she's going to some place in Wolfboro this this summer. Um, mm. which is cool. I'm glad she's coming to New England. I'm bummed that we couldn't fit her in, but um, you know, there's just there's plenty of stuff that I we'd love to branch out and do when we run out of dates yep understandable yeah there's only 52 weeks in a year you know <laughs> so let's open for 29 of them wow. i just turned the water I, I i um turned the water on um i always turn it on for the last weekend in uh april i usually throw a birthday bash for myself invite this the, the one hooligan weekend i shouldn't <laughs> Liza's going to start shaking her head. No, don't talk about Fight Club <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club. It's uh, we have a we have a foolish uh, mower race and um awesome. I love that. And it, yeah, King of the Trimmers, right? No, yes. so that that's uh Josh Mazarol does that. Although we are adding that this year because some of the guys didn't get to run. So we're just throwing it out there as a bonus, but no, ours is, um, ours is the six pack race. We call it stumble pie. <laughs> That's fucking great. It's a, it's a beer per lap. The first one to finish their six pack wins. And if you puke, are you disqualified or is that just part of the fun? Yes. <laughs> okay i don't really disqualify him but like yeah i'm not gonna let you if you barf i'm gonna i'm gonna make you feel so bad about it yeah you, you, not even, even if you win you're not 
you're not actually winning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you shotgun six beers, there's a high likelihood of losing one of them along the way. Really? Oh, yeah. Some, some people can drink better than others. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a lightweight. So if I were to shotgun six beers, I would probably just from the carbonation end up puking. But So 2020 Cody agrees with you. 20... 20- 18 Cody would be like six. That's it. Come on, dude. We'll fucking we'll do an 18 pack of like Bud Light Platinums in between it all. Like oh God. that. <laughs> there is two different Codys with that one. <laughs> if we're talking about drinking it over the lap and depending on the length of the lap, perfectly fine. If we're talking about like slamming something in the side and shotgunning it, might be different. So I I make them I make them start with the mowers off. I blow the horn. Everybody has to down their first beer, get on their mowers, start their mowers. And every lap that they come around, they have to get off their mower, go over to the table, acquire one of their beers and chug it or sip it slow. Whatever they feel like doing, I don't care. That's great. Um, yeah. And <laughs> That's awesome. Not a lot of rules, but there's also no prizes or anything. It's literally just a, a fun no. There's not even game. a free six pack at the end. <laughs> they just had their what? six pack. <laughs> <laughs> to bring their own six pack. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so it goes with like alcoholic beer and cheats at all. <laughs> <laughs> I had people asking me, so can it be a uh, iced tea? I'm like, come on, man! It's got to be carbonated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, that's probably uh, probably Rob. Oh. <laughs> Definitely God Rob. It, Rob. Yep. <laughs> Tease. Oh, Back drunk Rob drink. was fun. I, I I miss drunk Rob. Anyways, <laughs> listen. We got talking about this because I was saying, you know, I've weather. Mm-hmm. You know, I can only turn the water on so early, and I can only let it go so long into this. I'm sweating in October. Where um, we've had snow, we've had freeze. I've had I've had a half an inch of ice on the old swimming pond mm. um, before we close. So it's, it's always like, uh, how cold's it gonna be? And can we? I've had I've had icicles that go from the the water taps all the way to the ground. Well, I had to go mm-hmm. kick them and turn the ball. Like, oh, the water's still running. Good to go. Yeah, <laughs> still flows. <laughs> So, so what kind of amenities do you guys have forest? We have um, 40 campsites, but it's all a free-for-all anyways. Like, we don't sell camp. We don't sell sites. We sell per person per night. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have uh, 40 fire pits. That's an easier way to say it. We have 40 fire pits. Um, we have a very rustic pavilion. Um We've also got one or two tents that we can always loan out. We have a bathhouse with um, hot showers, actual hot showers, flushing toilets, wow. urine, um, men's and ladies' side, uh, septic dump out. So if you if you're camping here for the weekend, you can dump your camper before you go. That's cool. Uh, yeah, we actually had that before we did a new septic, and the new. The new septic also added a dump out in front of the bathhouse now too, so it's all it's all spiffy. Mm. It's a it's a shiny poop spot now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will say the the bathroom is like probably the greatest thing 
I mean, I don't know, maybe not the greatest thing, but it's a pretty nice uh, thing to have on the, on the property. Which is funny, but we're embarrassed about our bathhouse. Because it's, as Liza would say, it's a shithole. Mm. Yeah, well, but beggars can't be choosers. If you wanna, if you wanna pour some pony to shit on, you just gotta take what you can get. I mean, like it's better than a wolf spider hanging out under your ass in a porta potty. So I'll take it. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I mean, it might still be in the toilet, right? Like it's. But it's but at least building. the contrast of like the brown to white, at least you could see the difference. Where like inside a porta potty, I mean, shit, I I wouldn't put a flashlight in there to check it out. Uh, <laughs> I just hope and pray. I'm just like okay. Ooh, oh nope that was just an itch never mind we're fine <laughs> tight out of mind yep yep, yep. pretend <laughs> like it doesn't exist oh, those <laughs> roush porta potties this is i don't know how the hell we got into this conversation but those oh, we're the, here now but... that's what you were talking about right cody with those yeah because i remember going in i was i forget which night it was but you had complained about a spider and i was like oh what are you talking about and i went in i didn't notice it i did use that bathroom but there were a lot of webs and I'm glad I, you know, was as inebriated as I was, and it was dark, and I didn't care, because wherever that spider was, it was fucking big, because those webs were, there was a lot of them. <laughs> I, I'm not a pussy when it comes to spiders. I don't really mind spiders. But I think the problem is just, you're in such a confined space, you feel like you, you got that, nowhere that spider, to go. Yeah, you don't even spider. have enough space to pull your trousers up. You're vulnerable. Your your pants are... <laughs> you ain't running away at no fast speed. Luckily, there's that uh, Burger King down the street with the shitter. So, like, if it's ever that bad, at least you could go down there. But I don't know. Shoot. Some of those weekends up at Badlands, like, Badlands is a beautiful, beautiful property. Uh, I mean, the view is absolutely gorgeous. You can't beat it. And then the wheeling is super fun. But after three days, you want to at least wash your hair out. Like, where at least if there's, like, a shower, like, a running water, just something to be able to, like, run water through your hair just to kind of, like, freshen up. That's kind of nice. You can't beat that. Yep. So. Everybody who's ever talked to me, talked to Liza and I um, about off-road park, like, I'm thinking about picking up this 50 or 100 or 150 acres. Our, our first words of counsel are make sure you start with a campground. Yeah. Make ground, whatever whatever hoops you've got to go through to be a campground, be a campground. Yeah. Um, and put some basic amenities in like i feel like roush creek is is missing such an opportunity by not like blocking off a little bit of their parking lot as a campground like just go ahead and be called a campground put up a little bathhouse um some picnic tables and charge a premium for it like right now you don't even need to pay for camping right you can just stay overnight yeah, you yeah. it's you're paying a premium though oh well, yeah you are you to wheel you're paying premium to get in there and wheel um and a lot of that is their is their insurance policy and what it takes to insure for charging for off-roading mm -hmm. uh, and i get it like i i get it. i know that it's expensive but i get why they have to charge that much money but i mean i can't imagine anybody wouldn't go ahead and pay another twenty dollars a night to go ahead and stay at a campground at if i'm already paying 65 a day to wheel what's another 20 yeah i know feel that you don't but so, if i can stay in a campsite that has um an actual fire pit and 
a picnic table and I don't have to walk. I don't have to leave property to go use a flushing toilet. I can just use a flushing toilet, maybe even a hot shower and wash my hands. Oh my God. Like, yeah, it's a no brand. Sometimes I wouldn't even mind a cold shower just to wash. Oh, I'll yeah. take it. You know, some of those days, dude. Some, some of those, those days. days. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> and yeah. I bet, I bet for the bank too, it's probably a whole lot easier to get a loan for a campground than it is for an off-road or adventure park like. Uh, uh, right. Tennessee, what's the fucking Windrock? Like Windrock is a massive adventure park, if you will. It has all of the crazy or extreme sports all in one. Can you imagine going to a bank and being like, hey, I want to buy this property to do things that could kill people? How's that sound? They're like, ah, go fuck yourself. Like that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. But I think I think they're too far gone to be honest with you. I think if they like, I it would be nice for Roush to do some camping and amenities, but I don't think they'd ever be able to make the switch to. Uh, I don't know how to allude to it without it just blatantly saying it, but to a campground with extracurricular activities out in the woods. I think they just have such a prominent name that they would have to sell the company off and then do it again pretty much yeah i mean they oh, can, yeah if they the, i think we're more in the line of people would pay more if they put more money into a actual camping spot versus a gravel parking yeah. lot with uh tire rims thrown into the woods with some clearings usually surrounded by hornet nests in the yeah yes granted yeah, don't be wrong what... for free camping it's not bad at all but uh, could be better. Everybody that camps there would probably be willing to go ahead and pay the upcharge to help find their new campground addition to their off-road. Yeah, I would. Think. I would. Why yeah. not? Like, um, we went to Black Hills off-road in Harlan, Kentucky. Black but yeah, Black Mountain. Is it Black Mountain or is it Black Hills? I think I thought it was Black Mountain. Doesn't matter. All right, it's Black Mountain in the Black Hills, then of Harlan. Sure. Um, sorry, country music's playing a number on my brain. Um, but basically, they have cabins that you can rent, and they sleep like I'm not going to say they comfortably sleep like eight, but you can do it. And then you get a hot shower, you have a actual toilet to use, and you have a spot to work on your rig that's almost flat. It's not perfectly flat, but it's almost flat. And it's really, really nice for making the experience better. But don't you also have like an actual kitchen there too? Nah, we had a thing. And a microwave. Hey, I'll take a sink. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely... um sort of a nice surprise i said i mean they do have campsites but like the fact that we were able to get our shoebox of a cabin and just you know have a bed to sleep in and just yeah well roof was kind of cool i'm going back this year with jason and definitely getting a cabin yeah so you know it's a major and they've got huh? like big cabins too they oh, don't yeah. have there's like little ones but then there's the big ones the big one's got gotta be an absolute just madhouse some weekends. I wonder if bad not battlegrounds, uh Badlands 
is taking homage from FNF with his ideas of creating a proper campground. Because I know that that was something that he mentioned compared to like our first year going where he just had tons of logs and was like, I don't know, set it on fire and have fun to where this year he was like, you know, keep it down a little bit, like park in your perfect spots. I think he yeah. might be taking homage of how you guys set uh, FNF up to where it's like campground curricular activities on the side like i think he is going that route did you talk with him about that or is that just something you would think he might have picked up from your guys's uh... we've never talked with chip um so we don't really have any input there um our 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 takeaway has always been like with all the all the places around it's always been um you can't have zero structure and zero rules mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Harris Mount, one example. Um, Badlands, if if Chip doesn't grab the bull by the horns and start putting some rules in place and creating some structure and creating some sort of environment that is um, a little more welcoming to camping. Like you, you I've, again, at least in New England, I feel like you need to start with camping um, because most of these properties in New England are, are two to 400 acres at best. So like you've got to have something else when people come off the trails, they need, they need to go and have the campground experience and they want to like crack their beers with their buddies and, you know, cook some good food, have a little party um, and be able to go use the bathhouse and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think that he's, wisely realizing that hopefully he is and um gonna gonna put a little more structure into the property um both via rules and and uh, what you're allowed to do as well as if he if he turns it into a campground which more power to him i've always been of the mind that there is more than enough uh need for wheeling than we can fulfill like we does not we can't be the only wheeling available in New England. There needs to be way more than us. Plus, we're way too niche, niche, mm-hmm. or to 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 supply everybody in New England. Yeah. So, um, if other places can be up and running and successful, then everybody benefits. Yeah, like gets more people into it, and absolutely, just more places to go. Right? And there's there's no downside to having more properties. Well, there's more people than ever getting into it, too. Super popular these days. And, yeah. and the, with which you can buy Jeeps and get into the whole Jeep life um, definitely drives it. Whether you like it, you hate it. Um, the fact remains that it the whole lifestyle is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Sort of. It just keeps it pumping along. I mean, did you guys see how fast Wheeling for Warrior sold out? Like oh, was that's it, what, not that, even a minute. That's what, four minutes. They said insane. Yes, wheeling for warriors. I am super pumped that that's happening here. There, um, I can't say about those guys. Mercy Jermaine is a machine. I know. When I come, those waffles and all the other stuff that he's put on, just insane. The yeah. amount, of, the amount of money that he's already raised this year and the event hasn't even happened yet yeah. oh my god i love it for him honestly 
I'm just pissed yeah. I didn't get a ticket. <laughs> Honestly, seems like half of the event is the stuff leading up to the event. True, true story, right there. Um, it really is all about um, raising a metric fuck ton of money for for veterans yep. for a good yeah. cause, and and a chance to um, bring together a whole bunch of people that may not have met each other and hung out and partied and wheeled other together otherwise mm -hmm. is um, icing on the cake. I think that's huge too because I was just thinking on like if let's say uh, the guys from Rockaholics were to invite some of us out. Like yeah, okay, let's say Graham, you're, you could go with Colin, you two can play around with the bigger guys and you're all set. But if let's say I were to want to go there's a good chance that if I wasn't in Backyard Built, there's probably a good chance I would never get to wheel with Mike Craig or Timmy or Chris Ioshua or anything like that. So Wheel yeah. for Warriors is really that perfect melding point or melting point of you get your greens, you get your blues, you get your blacks, you get your reds, and then at the end, you get to all hang out. You get to, you know, do the ra or the, the yeah, they do actual like 50-50 raffles and ticket raffles and stuff like that, right? So yeah. it, you're totally right with that. It is the perfect melting pot of a smaller buggy or a smaller Jeep guy getting to experience uh, rock crawling to the furthest extent. And that's fucking awesome. That's part of why uh, fall crawl has always been uh, such a popular event here. It's, it's, traditionally, it's been our biggest event of the season, although... Curious to see if uh, Wheeling for Warriors gives it a run for its money this year, which I think mm. it might end up being. Wheeling for Warriors will probably end up being bigger. But, uh, have any of you guys ever made it to a fall crawl? I'm sure you've all heard of fall crawl. Heard I've of heard it. of it. I'm excited to it. potentially go this year, but I have not entered, I've been able to go. Uh, fall I think, crawl? No, I did. I went with Sean. I, I could be totally wrong. Maybe it wasn't fall crawl. I think I went with Sean Pierce. Um the president of backyard built in we i forget why mine wasn't oh i blew the the 50 up i couldn't drive my jeep but i went with uh as a passenger with sean in his buggy which needs work but it was a ton of fun anyways so yeah big event also a, so that's nea only um but a lot of those people they don't ever get a chance to see each other because it's all the clubs at once yep so it's all yeah, these people each other once a year at fall crawl and mm -hmm. some of these people only wheel that once a year they, they put their rig together literally for fall crawl huh. um that's so wild. again the, the chance to, to see all these different people i i always loved the chance to um hang out on a weekend where everybody was a stranger you know yeah. we well, that was Liza's big thing. Whenever we'd sign up for a trail, it's like, let's, and before I would, uh, started volunteering to lead trail runs when we would just go and recreationally wheel, we'd always try and go somewhere different so that we could hang out with different people. Um, that's how we, we wheel with our club members, you know, every month mm -hmm. branch out a little bit and, you know, see how the other side lives and hang out. Maybe you'll be the big fish in a little pond. Maybe you'll get a dose of, of um humble pie and beat a beat a little fish and be like oh i really not that good am i yeah <laughs> sometimes it's a lot of fun to be the big fish in the small pond 
sometimes it's fun to get the dose of humble pie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, except for when you're hanging out with you assholes and it's always the small fish in the big pond. You know, well, you got to find some swimming. smaller Cherokees. <laughs> I try, and they're all open, open, and care for their fucking bodies. Okay? Hey, well, there it's you me, go. They're the, they're the smallest Richie fish. And Marvel and Dan. Do I have to spell it out anymore? It's me and Richie. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I wish I I wish I set up the time to go to um, to Wheel for Warriors. I think it would have been a really great event. Uh, speaking on that, I've I've I have yet to actually go to Field Field of Forest. What are the requirements to bring your Jeep on trail for the different trail levels? Because I've heard arraying things throughout the different years between different people. So um, right now, our minimum requirements is to get on the property, and that gets you on greens and blues, is uh, 33s, two lockers, and a winch. So I we still can't go, because I don't have a winch. Fuck my life. <laughs> we used to differentiate between green and blue. But, um, too many people would get bored with, I mean, there's only like three green trails on the whole property. Um, so then they'd be under-equipped. And turning into a trail tampon on a on a blue trail and on a black trail. Yep. So we're like, right, this basically blue trail minimum requirements, and that'll get you on the green. And whatever, I don't care, because yep. you know, at some point, I've just got to like stop the bleeding and be like, okay, I can't give everybody a driving test. So see, that's a thing that's different about us too. Is um, most places are recommended vehicle requirements. And ours are mandatory. Like this is like the minimum. If you if you show up with thirty threes, two lockers, and a winch, and try and even run Russ's Ridge, you may or may not get through unscathed without body damage. And if you try and do a blue on thirty threes, two lockers, and a and a winch, you can't see you getting through without like fresh scrapes on all the underneath and possibly. <laughs> here and there and like because you need to be built to a certain amount to like clear that tree and have enough traction and clearance to get up and over this thing and or you need the talent to overdrive your rig and i i like i said i can't i can't give everybody a driving test so we figured anybody should be able to get should be able to hammer a 33s two lockers and a winch down any of the greens and blues and if you get body damage i really don't care we warned you <laughs> yeah. really did try and warn like yeah. i think every every um stage is like you know body damage high high chance for body damage or i forget what the wording was but like pretty much every uh except for yeah. reds which is just total disregard <laughs> right yeah no way to get through a red trail without laying your your a pillars and your roof line oh, into something. into yeah can't do it no but we, we built trails that do that to you on purpose yep pension <laughs> for uh summit street and i went and looked at it i'm like oh my god you're worse than me you mother <laughs> like oh, asshole yes you did it exactly the way i wanted you to <laughs> like <laughs> such a jerk Yep. Um. But so I've had people come off the off the trail, like the trail was fresh, and um, my friend comes and sits sits next to me Saturday night at uh, fall crawl, and he's like, "Dude, why'd you cut that like that? Like, it's impossible. You can't drive 
a Jeep into that trail. I'm like, what are you talking about? The very first rig that they drove through there was on deuce and a half. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it fit. Maybe you were Jeez. just afraid to get in there the way he did, but <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Test drove the trail before they opened it up for public consumption, and it's doable. Maybe you need better tires. Yeah. <laughs> was he on cut boggers? Is this where that came from? <laughs> <laughs> On uh, DOT IROX, though. Oh, oh even it. worse. God. <laughs> I hated... They're worse. Pardon? You think that they're worse than, like, a cut bogger? I don't I don't necessarily think that they're worse. I, I had a tough time with mine. A, probably because they were 15 years old. B, because they were honest they were bias ply, so my little-ass Jeep didn't have enough weight to squish them down, even at 3 PSI. But they did good in the snow. So I can't really complain about that. They cut trail pretty good. Awesome snow bears, man. You like, wouldn't think so, but... Balloons. They're going to do great. They're balloons with little paddles on them. Yeah, yeah just like tiny little. Through. And they're full of sights. All, all the little paddles have sights, yep. which is key. That is true. That is very true. So, do you have any raccoon facts for us? I knew you were gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Try to break the the ice there. <laughs> Farming experiences with beavers and beavers. I fucking hate beavers. Your facts? Um, <laughs> beavers are assholes. Okay. Yep. Beavers are relentless. I have, I have to use my winch to drag out the dam under the bridge going into the property um i almost stalled the winch today tomorrow it'll be stopped up again until i can wow. chase them out they're that persistent they're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow so beavers are that bad that they just like if they pick yep. a spot they will just continue to want to go back to that spot if you look at Google Earth, have you ever noticed that there's a pond behind us? I'm not it's too sure. Literally, it's literally called the Beaver Pond because there's a beaver dam making it a pond. Wow. So, a prolific um, population of beavers in there all the time. And uh, so, interesting fact about beavers is the two year olds get kicked out when they're, wait for it, two years old. <laughs> so they get booted so they go looking for new territory and we're right up river we're a good food source so it literally takes them like five minutes to go from the pond up river through our brook and then get we have like a beaver den on property we have natural beaver habitat so they like to dam up the bridge hmm. so it's a never never-ending fight and they are fucking mean they like to slap their tail at me like if i was to go out right now and try and scare them off um i would definitely have one slap its tail at me as he heard me come up wow for sure that's a pretty loud smack too like tail is probably like six inches wide ten inches long they like they like go dive under they whip that tail up and wham on the water yeah yeah oh, on the wow. water trying to here you walk 
Yeah. I think that it's a, it's a warning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Feel- yeah. Yeah. Good point. Liza, Liza just said that if there's other beavers with them, that's a warning to them too, that hey, stranger danger. Yeah. Oh, dude, we got two animal facts. You hear that? That's fucking cool. I'll take it. <laughs> Love flying, that. Flying squirrels are an actual thing in New Hampshire. I've probably shot 40 out of my house. <laughs> so the first time I ever saw one, and it wasn't in New Hampshire, it was in Massachusetts. It was the freakiest thing because I was... It was, I was at a property at my old job. We used to do condos and I had to cut down a tree. I was told to cut this tree. Down. I said, okay, no problem at all. Well, I looked up and I saw what I thought to be uh, woodpecker holes. Didn't think anything of it. I'm looking up and I had my one coworker standing next to me and I'm looking up, looking and I like pushed the tree because it was kind of hollow. So I was just seeing how I should cut it. All of a sudden this fucking squirrel's poking his head out and I'm like, God dang it. Now I got to like get these squirrels out of here. So I shake it again. <laughs> this little fucker jumps at me down straight at me puts his little wings out and then soars around past me i'm just like what the actual fuck did i just witness and now my buddy's freaking out because he's like holy shit flying squirrels are real what now he's like running to my other buddy because now now we're going to him and telling him about it and he's like no flying squirrels are fake that, that's like in the amazon or something so then we had to go back now we're shaking the fucking tree again trying to get, get another one, one, to get come another out. one. <laughs> oh God, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that story in so fucking long. <laughs> Good times. Aren't they? Cute little fuckers, aren't they? Yeah, they're little. They're like, I don't know, like oh, about this big or so. Yeah. <laughs> so like a two to glide ratio. So 20 feet from 20 feet high, they can glide 40 feet. Wow. So and- this poor house that we bought with the campground was infested with them because it's been abandoned for like 30 years before we moved back in. They had 30 years to with their empire. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. And you didn't think oh, yeah. like making pets would be the better option? Just get them the hell out was definitely the answer? They had to go. I had to evict them. They <laughs> lived inside the walls. And hey, guess what? They hibernate in the winter, so they don't leave. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're sleeping for the entire winter. They're scurrying around, digging new holes, digging new tunnels, keeping you awake in the middle of the night because they're nocturnal. They're not oh, like gray squirrels. Gray squirrels and red squirrels come out during the day. These guys only come out at night. It's more like a bat, except you know, so they not are really remarkable bat, huh. except that. You know what blew my mind? Quick thing. Caitlin's never seen a black squirrel before. We saw one this past weekend, and she freaked out about it. She has never seen a black squirrel before. Do you, have, do you guys have seen black squirrels? Or is that just... I've seen a black squirrel before. I've seen red you, squirrels. Two... <clears throat> Pardon? There's one that we see like a half a mile down the road. Like every year, I notice him crawl. I'm like, dude, one of these times you're going to cross a road and you ain't going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> now, you two Connecticut boys, have you seen black squirrels? On Richie's property. So then I, I don't know if she's just oblivious then because, like, she was just like, holy crap, what? Like, I mean, fully ecstatic that there was a black squirrel. I'm like, yeah, that's normal as hell. Like, what are you talking about? I see them all the time. So oh, I don't you know. see them all. They're pretty rare up here, but you do see them. I guess in, in first time my grandfather, who's from Missouri, said the same thing. He's never seen one before. Then all of a sudden he was seeing them everywhere, and he thought it was the craziest thing ever. 
and uh they're definitely like a massachusetts and connecticut thing but i've seen a couple in tennessee too interesting it's weird because i'd never seen one before until like 10 years ago and that's like all i would fucking see huh like i went for a solid couple years without like any other color other than black do you suppose that it probably bears what, or would probably be a good idea to uh, talk about your property to Bob? Because, oh, yeah. Interesting little oh. correlation there. And so I have like 28 acres in Connecticut, Bob, and we've been cutting trails through the uh, wood for the last, well, me and Luke for nine, 10 years, but backyard built for the last three years. And, you know, we, we've had a, we even had rockaholic here a couple times. That's cool. It's if if you're smart about it, you know, twenty plus anything more than twenty acres supplies a good time. It's just a matter of like you know, you know finding all the good obstacles. But yeah, that's that's it's, awesome, it's man. Work to do all. Yeah, it's a really cool property because it's built on like the side of a mountain. So there's a lot of ledges, and it's a little bit closer to a southern style of wheeling compared to what you would get in the traditional, like, New England area. And it's always wet, so it's constantly, you're having to hit everything pretty hard, except for in 2020. Yeah. 2020, the big the big year that everybody remembers. So you got a lot of hill climbs there? I'm sorry? Hill climbs? Yeah, oh yeah, it's, everything's hill climb. That's the one thing that Field and Forest doesn't really have, is um, no major actual hill climbs. I mean, there's vertical climbs and stuff, but like it's not a, it's not a hill climb where like you've got to stay into it and carry momentum and, and, and do some um, hill slaying. Like, I don't have any of that here. Yeah. Some of them are also a lot on the shorter side, so you're doing like, 15 feet but you're going up a decent sized uh double step rock ledge while you're going up that 15 feet and having to carry momentum yeah i mean you might only drive like 15 feet forward i mean you'd be going like 10 15 feet high in that 15 feet i got you you do have two climbs though the one that greenleaf just like barraged his way up through and then got to a point that he couldn't go any further and the other one where luke or not luke it was uh colin who catastrophically broke his jeep uh i'd say those two climbs and i think there's probably a few more that you could get to um that if we actually cut them that would create like an actual like the the biggest issue is the brush at least from what i remember if we clear the brush away like that section in the middle richie that didn't used to exist once we cleared yeah. all the shit away, it was like, wait, there's a rock pile there? And you can drive, like, that's actually, like, a cool obstacle? You couldn't even see it until we it, cut it. Yeah. It's, so is it a brush pile from clearing trail? I'm sorry? Is it a brush pile from clearing trail? No, it's a brush pile from the farm from the 30s, 40s, 50s, logging the whole forest. Gotcha, gotcha. And gotcha. it's like bramble bush to the whole thing. It's or not even bramble bush. What's the super tightly packed? Oh my gosh, I think it's evasive in Massachusetts. It's either evasive or it's uh like sanctioned, like you're not supposed to cut it down. But it's like that super tightly packed brush. Um 
down uh, by like the swamp area. I know that. Yeah, pardon, you cut out. I have a lot of mountain lower laurel. I know that. Wow, I don't know if that's what I was thinking of, but yeah. yeah it, so, with with FNF being such a massive uh, sought after place, what's your plans for like the next five years? Like, where do you hope to see the uh, the property in five years? Um, that's a good question. Um, I would love to be able to diversify a little bit more, maybe a little less off-roading or, um, maybe set a different way, maybe some different off-roading events. Um, but it is what it is too. I mean, after a while you just sort of get settled into a routine and, you know what I'd where I'd like to see it in five years with a real pavilion with a real roof. That'd be um, cool. Oh my god, like that is like one of our thorns in our side is that tarp covered yeah. pavilion that um it's so weather um affected. Uh, a bad storm comes through, we've gotta take it down. Yep. Um, or or risk losing the tarp and and uh ripping apart the the little bit of structure that's there to hold it um anybody who's been there has probably seen it i don't i don't if you haven't been there you don't know what i'm talking about but i basically have three 50 foot um beams that are held up with five poles and we drape a tarp over the middle one and bungee it out to the side ones and that's our that's our pavilion so that's my big goal and within five years is that can 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 withstand a hurricane um <laughs> some new picnic tables i know eliza would love to have a new bathhouse but we're we're sort of stuck in our site like we can't expand um we've there's room for a few more trails here and there but for the most part like once I put that new trail in the north end, I pretty much exhausted what's there. I could cut a few new lines in here and there. There's no room for any brand new trails, though. I mean, that's it is what it is. Now it's just gonna you're just gonna watch it get harder and harder. Yeah. Which um, nothing nothing makes a place get harder faster than you know sustained use, and that's one thing I've noticed since we bought it. Our our exposure to the four by four community um skyrocketed when we bought it because we were proactive gretchen the previous owner sweetheart that she was she um was not proactive in the four by four community so she was beholden to uh whatever representatives would deal with her mm -hmm. um because we were you know fully immersed in the four by community um, we're well versed in, in how to do things online, social media, things like that. So um, it was easy for us to make it explode. Um, the downside is that you see how fast the trails have turned. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So, and... oh, go ahead, Cody. Well, something that I know. Uh, so. Every July we go to uh, Badlands for like our club's like big event that we like we try to get as many people to. 
And I remember specifically this past year when we went, we went right after, I think it was Wheeling for Warriors came through, yeah. correct? And the amount of trail erosion due to just tires going over just from that one major event, like oh, yeah. was three times progress compared to what we saw the two years prior. So I can only imagine, especially with Field of Force being such a hot commodity that, you, and especially with having so many large events and large groups growing, going through, I can only imagine the the erosion and rock movement and just ch ch uh, terrain change that you guys see year by year. That's got to be pretty impressive almost. Last year was a, a butt ripper of a year. I mean, with all the torrential rain we got, the place was just a soup fest every single weekend so last last year was a huge step in erosion um things got bad fast yeah oh well, yeah speaking of the, i always i always use my bell as a perfect example of trail trail wear and tear you know when me and luke first started going that like i always joke about the fact that you could have driven a fucking lawnmower all the way up the mountain you know granted on the bypasses, but you could have done it, you know? When I started going there, I was uh, I was Cherokee 33s, lockers both ends, stock gearing, and I drove end-to-end -end, um, not taking any bypasses at all. Yeah. Like, I was, I was all gung-ho back then, and I lucked out. I managed to, like, put on a good show all the time, so I did not take all the bypasses and like I said, 33s, two lockers and basically wherever I felt like going. Um, when I started going in 2012, right, the only bypass that I would take would be the loading dock bypass on 33s or 34s locked lock because loading dock is that one really vertical ledge in there. Um, I... Is that like after the mud puddle you can go left and go up that steep ledge to the left or you can take the main trail to the right yes. yeah yes that 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 yeah right. it's the it's the second obstacle after that fork when you go left you have your like rock garden the kind of two side by side different obstacles, and then if you keep going straight, it's then probably about I'd say what eleven foot vertical with an undercut on the right side, and then like yeah, a rock. It's pile. not that tall, but it is steep, and it's got a little bit of a. It puts seven, it in a puddle. eight feet somewhere in there, depending on where you hit it. Yeah. I could climb up an eight foot rock. I I cannot like standing there and trying to think about going up it. There's no shot of me like climbing up it. No shot. When I first started going there in 2001, um, I could get up that with 33s and two lockers. Wow. <laughs> and wow. I did it once in my old buggy, or not once in my old buggy. I used to do it routinely in my old buggy. But in my Cherokee, um, I would get up on there, get the nose up, and then back up until I was like about to fall out, clutch dump it, and it just never would go on 40s locked front and rear, no matter which side I would take. Sometimes those undercuts, man, they get they get so deep, there's just no powering up them unless you got stickies. Yep. That's, that's where the stickies come in. They just like help you overcome what seems impossible. 
Yeah, the stickies. Graham got a set of them from me, and I'm really excited to see what they do on his rig. Uh, I need tubes, or I need to get them vulcanized by Chris or somebody, because they've got some leaks. They've been what uh, kind of? Uh, just the BFG red labels, the crawlers. Oh, the best, the best yeah. ones. And they're they're yeah. already pre-worn in too. They're are uh, they're you know, well, almost best. bald. Not quite. There's still some tread on them, but they're peeling. They're they've seen their fair share of use. Those tires give until you see the air. It's it's a true story. I've watched Eugene go over stuff with like layers and layers gone. Like he's down to the last layer of rubber. Like there's no more steel. It's the, it's the inside rubber that like when you like pull a tire off and buff the inside mm -hmm. to like put a patch in, that's the rubber that was left. Just, <laughs> oh, drag slicks at that point. I'm like, how are you even going? He's like, I don't know, but I'm not swapping this tire out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Can't argue with him on that if it's still going. He, you know, he was just trying to prove a point at that point. He's like, I'm just yeah. going to at it. I don't even care. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as it keeps pushing you forward. He gets to come up here all the time, too. He's a low-maintenance sort of a dude. He, he's a good time. Yeah. Never would have. He, he, well, I I knew that he had it in him. Him winning the, the first humble pie and then the second. Dude, he won the second humble pie by three seconds. Wow. Like, the very second humble pie, and they're already, like, this close in the competition. I'm like, I already have to make it harder. Yeah. All right, holes. I have to make it <laughs> Really fun. Last, last year was the first year that I would only take the top 20. I only guaranteed that the top 20 qualifiers, the fastest 20 qualifiers, would have a shot at the bombing run. Mm -hmm. Chances are it'll be more because attrition. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that, that was new for last year. Like, hey, you're not guaranteed a spot if you qualify. You need to be the top in the top 20 fastest qualifiers. So now when I blow the horn on Friday afternoon, there's a sense of um, urgency. Yeah. I go, I, I need to start. get this done. Yeah. And now those top 20, is it based off of time or is it based off a of position finished? Qualifying time. Like how okay. for, from noon on Friday when I blow the horn, that's signifying that the trails are open. Um, whatever time they, they come back and say, and they show me their 20 pictures and say, okay, I, I did all five trails. Or so all six. Um, wow. So, you know, and it's just, so from 12 o'clock, it's just easy. It's whatever, whatever time stamp they come back with. They come back at 5.51. That guy took five hours and 51 minutes to, to do the trails. And um, so, yeah, there was, there was a little bit of crying and gnashing of teeth when I said that, but it's like, they're getting, they're getting so good and so fast that there's so many guys qualifying that I can only. So the the bounty runs are one at a time, and they have a 45 minute time limit. 
And that even that was new last year. It used to be a 60-minute time limit. Now it's 45-minute time limit. Um, wow. And in order to, to like fit that many runs in two days in a row and, and get back and have dinner, because we're providing dinner. And also, oh, yeah, by the way, we do the Saturday night shootout. It's like, well, I can only fit this many rigs in on a bounty run in a weekend. So at some point, I can't, like, so the, the year before, 2020, the year of the hero traction, mm-hmm. I had, like, 26 or 28 qualifiers. Wow. 20, like, I can't remember. It seems 26 or 28 people came off the trails with a qualifying time. It's like. And how many people uh, started off? Uh, 31. So, like, majority that's a pretty of good, the people. That's a good turnout, to be honest. Like, yeah. Of, uh, all the people that was qualified. Oh, it's too easy, though. Everybody's making so it. So, what's the right? selection? Um, it, it's all me. Um, mostly you need to show up during the, during the season. So, when I when I first started doing it, it was it was basically a reward for coming and wheeling here and showing me that you want to wheel hard trails, red trails. So if you just come here and wheel black trails, I won't even give you a second call. Like, at no point will you be considered to run Humble Pie because it's all about red trails. So when I see people always trying to come here and run the red trails and being gung-ho and having a good attitude about wheeling the, the property and um, not being tool bags, basically, yeah. um, on a consideration list for for an invite and then sometimes too it's not even people that come here i so at first i always said i'm never going to allow somebody's first visit to field and forest to be a little body um i've since changed that a little bit um reserving a few spots here and there for people who run their mouths on the internet and <laughs> maybe forget <laughs> A big dose of humble pie, maybe. Uh, I'm coming around to it, and I asked all the all the drivers last year, like if they were cool with um, seeing new faces and um, being like cream of the crop. Some of the some of the bigger names that that run in like that X Rock series. I asked them like, do you want a, a quote unquote pro driver to get an invite to come here and potentially walk away with it? And they were all like, you know what? If he comes here and hands us our ass, then he deserved it, and we'd like to see how we shake out. So, I at least know that I'm not going to piss any drivers off that have been coming here over and over and supporting us. Mm-hmm. So I have that leeway. I at least feel good about it. So, and you got to give him competition. If you can't have one guy leading the pack forever and ever, kind of like uh, go bring it back to dirt bike and Ryan Villapoto was the top supercross rider for year after year after year and nobody could touch him he literally had to retire to get other guys to be the lead guys you don't want that you know you want to have you want to keep it fun so bring it in i am i sorry you're good Um, you're good i i am noticing that that's um pretty much self-regulating as far as uh the humble pie drivers and stuff like um nate gilbert for example he won last year uh, with his new buggy um, first. So he's the guy who got beat by three seconds by Eugene in the second year. Um, 
he immediately started building a new buggy and uh, stepping up his game and showing up more and more often and um, running the trails in the hopes that, A, I'm going to invite them, and B, if they get familiar with the trails, that they'll do better. So they're all stepping up their game. So the guy that won last year, if he wins again this year, he earned it. Like, it's not just because he's the best and nobody can touch him. It's because he w- went above and beyond to um, make himself better, make his rig better. Mm-hmm. So many guys are building building buggies from scratch just just to, to so that they can do well at Humble Pie. I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. It's like, we're just this podunk little place. <laughs> but it's, it's also kind of like being in, at the high rollers table at the casino. You hold like you know your dick grows a few extra inches because you got to run humble pie. It, it it's true though. Like I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't ask some guy with a thirty five inch tire on an XJ um, open open to run it. No, you're asking the guy who has put the time and effort and money into his rig to be running at that level. And then, as you said, is there money uh, for the winner? There's like some. Is there a purse? Yeah. It's, so um... that's awesome. Yeah, I, I take um. So I charge all the drivers. We charge the drivers more money. Um, we basically charge them the same event fee that we charge all the spectators, and then we charge them plus forty dollars more. Mm-hmm. We literally take that forty dollars per driver and put it into a pot for the winner. Um, That's cool. And the winner. That's really cool. Um, Saturday night shootout. They have to buy into that, which I got. A, I had a few grumblings of couple of years ago about that but it's like you know what it's we're, we're literally taking the money that we charge you to to sign up to do saturday night shootout and putting it all in the pot to just hand back to the winner so that's awesome that's, yeah right now I mean, are they getting are they getting pissed because they feel that the shootout is more directed to a specific style of rig and not necessarily their own or no because we charged them oh and it was only a yeah, because we charged another twenty dollars to like do the shootout. What? It's a but, different event. Of course, you'd pay for it. What? I know. That's, that's what I do. like it's literally a an extra event. So, um, it's an on the Elm Street climb, which last year for uh, Kevin Powell's uh, memorial uh, weekend here, we uh, put a plaque up there, calling it K Powell Climb. So it happens on K Powell awesome. Climb. It's fucking this, good guy. Yeah, he was a really good guy. I miss that dude. He, Kevin could rub some people the wrong way, um, but he was deep down genuinely a quality dude. Like, he was salt-of-the-earth quality dude. He literally would take the shirt off of his back and hand it to you and put it on you if you needed it. I don't know how he could ever rub someone the wrong way. In my experience, he was able to sit there and it might just be because of an autistic asshole, but he would sit there and go through the numbers on everything that he was doing and break it down to a manner where I could understand it easily. I'd say somebody might get... He was shop talk 24-7, I'd say. like In the sense of like, like the locker room shop talk, that was his his way of communicating and i feel some people if they're not in that realm often get thrown off by that and could be a little deterred from it i think it's kind of or he was 
that's what I would say at least from my times of meeting him. Some but. sometimes sometimes you could get a little frustrated with him when you were talking about buying this or buying that or um um this product or that product and he's oh, I got one of those. I got one of those. It's like, well, damn it, Kevin. I can't buy them because you got them all. <laughs> that would be you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah, you have all of New England's inventory in coal parts. <laughs> yeah. Literally. And then you could call them up and be like, hey, I need an XJ drive shaft CV joint. Like, yesterday, do you have one? Yeah, I got four of them. You got $20 or a cold beer? <laughs> Literally give you the shirt off of his. You've heard a story about him loaning um, Mike and Megan his uh, yep. Toyota. No, I haven't heard of that story. Yep. Or he loaned <clears throat> Samurai Buggy. Um, Humble Pie. He a couple years. Their, their rig was broken. DOA wasn't going to do it. He's like, here, go qualify with my buggy. And he walked and spotted them through every single trail and then got like through five and a half trails doing his own qualifying before he tossed a rear drive shaft. Wow. That's who Kevin was. Like he's, he's that guy mm -hmm. who will literally do whatever he can to see you succeed. I That's remember cool. pulling up to his shop one of those days, um, I forget what it was. It might have been to just shoot the shit and buy some small parts, like MP231 parts. But he's sitting there, and he's got the freaking axle shaft coming out of his rig. And I'm like, what did you do? And he's like, oh, dump truck got stuck down the road, so I took the buggy and pulled him out. And I broke a rear axle shaft. But I got a spare chromo sitting on the shelf. It's not a big deal. I'm going to F&F &F this weekend. <laughs> and, yeah, that's... That's no, um, that's totally the dude he was. Um, miss him a lot. So there's another obstacle on uh, Elm Street that we named for him called a uh, crock of shit because <laughs> he hated it. It was his least favorite. It was the same trail, Elm Street. It was the obstacle that you have to deal with before you get to the climb, and um, and he was always wearing Crocs. So it's a. Uh, <laughs> Crossed, and uh, the, the obstacle is called crock of shit. That's good. He I I actually like that name. Yeah, that's than... actually kind of clever, right? Yeah, I I think Rob Levis um thought of that. I could see that coming from Rob. See <laughs> another good dude that we probably should talk to. He'd yeah. probably be a good. He's a hot ticket for sure. Yeah. Um, it would be an interesting one for sure. I'd, I, it would, it'd be a lot of editing notes. I could promise you that. <laughs> I'm working yeah, double time. <laughs> he would, um, yeah, he would have you uh, hitting the delete button here and there. For sure. <laughs> He's quite yeah, the When you go to edit it, there's this little pair of scissors, and you just put your little dot and your other little dot and snip it all out. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> There's no spacing in between the words to make it sound like a normal conversation. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, I'm saying on that episode, it oh, would be yeah. just snip it all out because <laughs> technical or editing notes. <laughs> um, yeah, another good time. 
So, Bob, Shoot. do you have any questions for us? Um, nothing I can really think of. Um, Fair enough. Just a compliment. I I love the podcast. I can I can um definitely notice a in a an improvement every episode. Like it was tough for me to get into any early episodes, oh, but yeah, um, they suck. When I got hooked on those later episodes and then started dialing back and and rifling through finding people that I knew to to listen to um was a biggie. Um, I can tell you guys got better and and better and you getting better at this and it's a it's a fun fun show good time but um, very much thank you for appreciate it very much hopefully i uh hopefully i uh told some good stories Definitely. i could probably come on tell some more stories sometime if you want absolutely definitely um or probably forget- after humble pie you know that yeah. would be awesome yeah i'd, I'd be um, down for that well, and the other thing I got to say, after 76 times of doing it, you got to get better. It oh, yeah. can't be the first episode 76 times. <laughs> right? <laughs> At that point, you got to be honest with yourself. And yeah, wonder, that, that we'd, we'd probably do I do 77 or do I call it? I think there, were, <laughs> there may be more productive things for us to do with our time if, if we just repeat one, the first episode over and over and over again. And I gotta say, not trying to toot our own horn, but it's been really, really cool to watch the evolution from the driver's seat, if you will, because it was like we were just doing tech splurge dumps of stuff that we thought was really cool to us and talking to the occasional couple of people. And then suddenly it started growing more and more. It was talking to uh, Curtis Barons, who's an awesome guy, or Jeremy Downs, another awesome guy. And then from there, it was uh, Chris Ayashua, Trail Trash. Um, Honestly, I think it was Chris's episode that really flipped the switch for us. I I think think his ability to tell a really good story and pushed us to not just worry about the off-road but to just talk and like if if i if the other people in the call are entertained by my story then people listening are going to be entertained and i think he was the push that brought us to where we are now honestly he's like the perfect combination he can go on tangents but he's also pretty he's really knowledgeable about you know his buggies and the axles and the toyota stuff and just everything but he can make it really entertaining at the same time and he's got a story for everything so another uh, really good one would be mark um nibs mark nibs and this is a call out to mark nibs because there's nothing i can do to enforce it but i expect to see you at fnf at some point this year oh yeah um, be cool. I, yeah i'm pretty sure he got a ticket for wheeling for warriors for one of the trails at fnf good awesome good 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 <laughs> I'm fairly confident I saw him post something about that. Yeah, that'll I think be he cool. Did. Yeah. Um, and then introduce himself. He's a really, really good dude. Uh, when we first met him, he was on 33s, and we kind of met up at Mabel. We went blowing past because he was with a smaller group, 
and we were just running the hooligan lines and we stopped came back talked with everyone he looked over my rig graham's rig uh cody's rig and started asking a bunch of questions and now he's on tons 40s stretched out uh coilovers well, built than any of us he, he would he like built the whole thing right the first time skipped all the bullshit and now it does awesome. He bought a kit though. He kind of cheated. Oh a yeah, little he did kind of cheat. That's a pretty nice kit. That guy. Yeah. That Greg made a really awesome. Well, spe uh, speaking of his him. kit, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that one of these next podcasts. I don't know. Something yeah, maybe else. I don't know. Um, I, I haven't. <laughs> I've, that's not even an emotion. So. Uh, yeah. Hold and your horses there. I gotta. But... I gotta thank people like uh, you, Bob, uh, Sam. Chris and Nick LeBlanc for hopping on and you know helping us to step it up even further. Those are also good episodes too. I, I listen to all those too. Listen to Nick, um, listen to Chris, listen to to uh, Sam. You know, I was having flashbacks listening to Nick talk about uh, Ultimate Adventure because we had uh, we had uh, Ultimate Adventure here in 2010. I really? led uh, a trail. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot. So yeah, they that, only do it once, right? They only let they only use your property one time, so you're, yeah, like, you're out unless, until they run they, out of properties, I guess. So in 2010, we were their only New England stop. Yep. In 28, they came and did all New England, and they we were a blatant omission. Yep. But yeah, it was their that was their excuses? Uh, we never we never revisit properties, but it's like, trust me, it's not the same property. It's been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally different now. Love well, it. That was full time. I got to meet some cool people, hanging hanging out with all the. I could name drop, but there's no sense in it. Just it was it was cool. Yeah. I in my glory because all my all my trail heroes that I've been reading about for years came to me, That's and I cool. got to show. So yeah, I, I blocked out. That was a that was a cool day. That for me has been one of the coolest parts about doing this is it's like, hey, um, I used to read your build on Jeep form and I thought you were the coolest shit. Do you want to come on and tell us about your build? It would be awesome. And <laughs> that's then... pretty bad. I'm not gonna lie. That's you guys are good really cool opportunity you guys have to meet people from from all over the country. It looks like you're you're mostly concentrating on Eastern Seaboard. Tyler is not, but like he was. So yeah, uh, we try. Uh, he's we, cool. We've had a few. From, Tyler from gave the me left, the axles but... that are under my XJ. Well, That's he didn't cool. give them to me, but awesome dude. Yeah, wicked nice guy. Wicked guy. Yeah, I've got him. I'm trying to figure out flying out to go and see him this year, but it looks like that might end up conflicting with vacation time, and I kind of want to spend my vacation time on going up to Humble Pie and seeing the homies in New England again. Oh, man. It'd be awesome if you came up for that. Well, I'm trying to make that happen. I don't have a reason yet why it can't happen. Nice. Um, nice. And if I remember correctly, that's towards the end of the summer. That is the last weekend in September. Always, it's that's our weekend. We, I give them, I give them all the, all through the summer and just into the fall, because um, we're only open like three weekends after that. So it's basically the, for all intents and purposes, the end of the season. So that's our big, 
all blue at the end. But yep. the weather's usually so nice. Like, it's never usually really cold in the end of September yet. It's October. It starts getting cold. Perfect. And if people want to find out more about it, where can they find you on social media? So we are Field and Forest Recreation Area on Facebook. Liza, what's the Insta? Field and Forest Recreation Area on Instagram. And um, you, if you just go to our Facebook page and look under events, you'll, you'll see um, Humble Pie when we put it up. You see the motorcycle rallies. Um, we usually... Sh- if you just follow Field and Forest on Facebook, you'll see everything that we do. Yeah. Everything that's available to the public, anyways. That's awesome. I'm excited yeah. to see more, that's for sure. Uh, Liza just said uh, Instagram is Field and Forest NH. Perfect. Well, make sure everybody listening go and check that out because yeah, hit, they're hit awesome. Up one of those events. It's one of those properties that uh, once you go to, it's, it's I don't know, my, my, my mind was blown and I'd don't know why I didn't go there sooner. I'll be totally <laughs> honest. Like it, it's, I'm, I'm, I, it's one of those places I want to get hooked on because everything just. I think I even said it earlier. Like it's just, it's just that cool of a property. And then you see big balls drop and shit like that, and it's like, whoa, that's way bigger than the pictures. <laughs> it's awesome, right? Don't even remotely no. do that justice. Videos don't do that yeah. that justice. And then you look at, it, you're like, whoa, that's that's up there. Look yeah. at it from the top. Oh yeah, Look I don't wanna. It. I mean, maybe some at some point here, but I'm sure it's yeah. <laughs> we appreciate the support, buddy. We really do. Um, with just a little mom and pop rinky dink deal that never bought this place for the money. Like we we tell people constantly, like do the math. We're like. Do the math on how much we make a year. Like we're so not in this for the money. Where we do it because we're off-roading people, and we if we can if we can come close to breaking even every year, we're pretty happy. Yeah. Well, oh, I think you want. Sorry, God. You you know where I want to see us in five years in the black. There we That'd go. Pretty- there we go. Well, I think I speak for everybody in New England. We appreciate you and everything that you guys do. So keep doing it because. I'm sure everybody loves it. Thanks for all the support. We can couldn't do it without people being fans of us. So that's what it really comes down to. Thank God for offering. We're loyal to us. 